everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 160th episode of the podcast, airing August 22nd, 2023. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome back special guest Nicholas Polimanakos to join me on the program to chat all about Virgo season 2023. So Nicholas and I get together to give you the skinny on the varying qualities of this mutable Earth sign and the role that Mercury plays as ruler. And there are many shifts taking place as it's the month of planetary stations. So there is no doubt that the back and forth nature of the messenger planet will be emphasized. Mercury, Venus, Jupiter, and Uranus will all change direction in the skies. Actually, Mercury will do so twice. And this will influence the twists and turns in what is already a transitioning narrative. It's a big month, so adaptability will be needed, especially as we get closer and closer to the next eclipse season. Now, to follow along as we step through the charts, you can tune into the video version of this episode on YouTube. And if you'd like to support this program, come on over to energeticprinciples.com where you can book a personal consultation. You can leave a tip in my tip jar, and you can also sign up for my monthly newsletter, The Heavenly Wind. Now, I do have big news to share, and you might have heard a little inkling here or there if a little birdie told you, but I am working on a big project called Tarot of Her that is about to go to Kickstarter launch on September 4th. And so I have been dropping little hints for the last couple months now, but really this project has been in the works for the last couple years and really in talks for about a decade now. So we are so excited, my partner Sarah Jane Lambert and I, to bring this hopefully to life. So if you are interested in this project, it is a 79 uh, card tarot deck and it is round. It's based on the divine feminine and plant life and actually the lunar cycles because I've developed a system to read the tarot through the nuance of lunar cycles. So if any of this sounds interesting to you or you're just a fan of art because Sarah Jane's art is spectacular, click the link below wherever you're listening to this podcast and it will take you to our Kickstarter launch page. That way you can follow it to be notified when it goes live. And if you're listening to this past September 4th, it is already live and will be so until October 2nd. So we do hope that you'll find interest in our project and be willing to support. All right, so who is ready to hear all about Virgo season 2023? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right, all right, all right. Here we are back with the Energetic Principles podcast, and we have a a returning special guest today. We have Nicholas Polimanakos with me here today. Thanks for joining me again, Nicholas. Hello, Mel. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, It's good to see you and uh, good to see virtually everybody else here listening (laughs) and watching. I do always love having Nicholas on the program uh, just because I feel like we have good banter. We got that that Mercury-Mars conjunction in Gemini. So, you know, the conversation will be lit. (laughs) Yes, totally. If I think about this, I think the first time I was on your show might have been getting close to a year here and Mars was in Gemini. Uh, and at the time, <laughs> and so it's almost where I almost might go back to listen to that. I'm like, how wiry were we? How out of our minds were we? So, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, mm-hmm. I think, you know, 
makes for good, uh, I was going to say good talk radio. Are we, talk, are we talk radio? I guess we could be. If you're listening to us in the car, we're definitely talk radio here. Yes. So, um, all right. Well, we, uh, speaking of talk radio and talking in general, we are going to be talking about Mercury season that's coming up here and that's Virgo season is just around the corner. Um, and so we are going to be tackling that subject here today, but just in case you're a new listener or you have not, uh, heard Nicholas before, uh, share a little bit about yourself before we get started here. I am a human being on planet earth. Um, I am a Gemini. And I'm a practicing astrologer, at least on the professional end. It's got to be 16 years now, but obviously studying for a lot more. Um, I'm also am and have been involved in the astrological world on the back end of conferences and bookstores and all types of things. And um, I'm living on YouTube these days uh, with my YouTube channel, Sparkles of Gold, and like you know my website, SparklesofGold.com. Uh, I have other interests. But astrology is at the top. So that is who I am. That right is now. who you are today. I was going to say today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, because you never know with a mercurial person, right? Yeah. Mercury. You just get bored. Yeah. So. You got to need new stimulus. You need, you need uh, shifts and change. And, um, and then a lot of times, you know, mutable, you always come back to yourself. <laughs> Totally. I think in the end, since you mentioned mutable here and we're, we're, you know, we're going into a mutable season here with Virgo, I, I think sometimes for others who don't have mutable in their chart or they don't understand it too well, they, uh, uh, there, there's, there's an art to that. There's an art to, to branching out in different directions and coming back. And I think the coming back part and the centering point is the art itself. And um, anyone who's heavily mutable learns that in their life. Hopefully, they learn it. So, yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I love to hear that. So let us get, let's get in there. There's plenty to talk about. Mm -hmm. Lots going on in the sky. Um, Even though I feel, well, I don't know. What's your, what's your take on Leo season? Just quick. I, 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 you know, quick. Fascinating, incredible, <laughs> incredible. Whether you are a deep astrologer, you're learning, you know nothing. I think it's been very obvious the storylines in people's lives, you know, and, and this Venus and Leo retrograde story. And, and once it moves out of retrograde, which we will talk about and moves forward, I think it's been very obvious. I think a lot of the storylines that have come up because of this are internalized because it's a retrograde process and and with Venus. But I've seen it play out in so many ways with client consultations, the stories I've heard, my personal life, other people. Um, I feel like we're always one as a crew, as a world. But when we're dealing with something like this, the same thing happens like with eclipses and stuff. Everybody knows about it and they're all thinking about it. And you're kind of in the same place. You might not be having the same experiences, but we're kind of like, oh, Venus just, you know, Venus went into the sun. Venus is being reborn. You know, we're all talking about it. Most of us are talking about it. So in that sense, I I like places in uh, in astrology like this because I feel like we're all dialed in and and we are, um, in a sense, changing together, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's quickly, you know, what I've been feeling. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I, I see it. The hot take on the street is that we're, we're all there, you know, yeah. the being in, um, uh, doing, uh, terror readings that I do for the public a couple, t- uh, a couple days a week. I can't even tell you how many people I have sat with <laughs> that are either going through a breakup, going through a divorce, wondering about someone that they are intrigued about, uh, and how that's going to go or, who they've been kind of dating and is like, are like, eh, I don't know, maybe I need my freedom more or it's just not yep. working out. Uh, and so there is this, well, then of course that's the Venus retrograde theme, but it all comes back to that internalized self, right? Cause if you're going through a divorce, then you're, you are revisiting who am I as a solo individual? Uh, if a relationship is not satisfying, then you're like, what do I desire out of life? You know, so there is this exactly what you're saying, this internalized process. And it's not just about relationships. It's all types of things, right? We're, we're trying to find the harmony in our yeah. lives and how we get there. <laughs> yeah, you, you pretty much hit, you know, you said two core main words, desire and harmony, which are Venus things. I've seen people get engaged I've seen yeah. people too, like ask to do this or this talk about it. Um, I have no opinion on either way. I could go there, but I, I think it's, <laughs> I, I think, you know, th- this is the type of thing where, where you have a, a inner body planet like Venus, because all the planets go retrograde at some point, but you have an inner body planet like Venus that doesn't move so move so fast like mercury does like which we're going to talk about and then there's the outer body planets when they go retrograde they just work differently but when you have mars and venus go retrograde everything plays out right in front of you in a space of time so if someone is going through relationship crisis or change or they're engaged or whatever we still there's still a bunch of time here all the way into october where you still have, see things manifest and play out so even though people make decisions i still think that those decisions aren't finalized really until we play out the rest of this transit. So, uh, but, and that's what we like as human beings. We like story. We like soap operas. We like drama. We like binge watching some show on Netflix that has all everything, the tears, the love, everything you could think of. Uh, I think that's where we're at. We're in peak, peak, uh, drama moment in the cycle. So, well, perfect for Leo season. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> well, which brings us to Virgo season, right? Because Virgo and what you just mentioned with looking ahead to October uh, and watching the the whole Venus story as she completes the retrograde, she moves through the rest of Leo. But ultimately, even when she moves into Virgo and we think we are done with Venus, we are not nowhere near done with Venus because we have two eclipses that are going to be Venus ruled coming up in October. So what you say is true, Nicholas. <laughs> yep. We're right in that. We're, we're on Venus's train and it's the, our stop is not here yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, um, I, those eclipses coming up, I think they're huge and they're connected to the springtime. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But before that happens, but before yes. Virgo, so let's talk about Virgo season just in general, because we we got to reacquaint ourselves and get a feeling for, <laughs> for yes. the Virgo energy. Um, and so this is mutable Earth energy. This is switching our focus to Mercury. So we know Mercury has two seasons. It has that Gemini, has that Virgo. But this is, uh, is Mercury is more earthly 
uh, mutable season where it can do its bidding uh, in more tangible and physical ways. So when I say Virgo to you, what is the first thing that pops up? Bringing order to things. You know, Capricorn does it too. I think all the earth signs have some sense of like order, right? Yeah. You need something. But I think Virgo does it in a way where it it totally incorporates the mercurial aspects of things. Taurus isn't going to do that. Capricorn isn't going to do that. It's about order and, and how that is uh, attained, you know, through the mind, through organization, through details, so on and so forth. But I think that the inherent goal is for order. And I'll even bring in to bring this into it, like it, to try to get to a perfect place. Now, let's, it's a big setup what I just said there because I know. <laughs> there's, it, there, is there even such a thing as that? But I think that is the goal is for that order to bring perfection and efficiency in a sense. So that's the first couple things off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah. And those are all perfect things, right? Because yeah. who, who loves a mess? Who loves? <laughs> hates a mess. Virgo, yeah. right? There wasn't a mess. It might not know what to do with itself, but if it sees the mess, it's like, oh, well, we just got to get in there. We got to sort things out. We got to figure it out. Uh, there's all these bits and pieces. You know, essentially this is is the micro that makes up the macro because we can't have the, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, our, our perfected We'll lose that term, use that term loosely, um, our perfected uh, macro, unless we get into all the details, right? Because I bring up the book, um, I think I mentioned this in my newsletter this month, the book, The Slight Edge, which is mm-hmm. a self-help book um, based on, and this is, it's a, The Slight Edge, that's Virgo. Because that's how you get ahead is it's all the little things. It's all the being aware that if I just do this thing every day, it's going to amount to this big thing later. You know, if I save $5 a day my entire life, by the time I'm 65, I'm going to have, you know, and, and invest that, you know, think about like the accruing of things. But it's just that consistency of doing the small things regularly that, um, can add up to a whole lot in life. And it gives you the slight edge as a person here. Yes. And um, I think about one of my first teacher's mentors, I'll just say her name, uh, Laurel Nalbandian, you know, who runs the Norwalk conference in Seattle. I remember sitting on her couch and she, when we got to this, all she said was chop wood, carry water. (laughs) Yeah. That's what you would say. Chop wood, carry water. And I agree. I also think that the world doesn't function without our Virgos and the Virgo energy. Uh, this, this, these little things that we need to do day by day, the, 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 the systems that we create for ourselves day by day and try to adhere to, these are all Virgo things. Uh, how we get through the day. I wake up in the morning. I eat at this time. I do this after that. Uh, at lunch, I, I have this appointment. Uh, though, that type of movement, that type of organization is needed to get by in the material, physical world. And remember, we're dealing with an earth sign here and, and the systems that this earth sign can create and adhere to. And at times, honestly, break down. We It's good at breaking down systems too. Yeah. Uh, if, and, and to because the reason is, is to find what is not working within the system. You have to piece everything out and put then eventually put something new that's functional 
that makes the system or the machine work and to put that and put that back together again so it can move forward. But these little things, it's 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 really not dramatic. It's interesting to come out of a sign before that Leo that's all about in a self fire sign that has to do with the, an, an ego story. And I mean that in a positive way of oneself and how they creatively express. And you get into the next sign, which is goes in a sense inward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Leo that's expressing outward. You have uh, 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 an inward, more of feminine type of energy that goes inward to to look at, to piece out, to uh, analyze, and to hopefully bring order within oneself here. So it's not just in the external world as happens, but it's really happening. Uh, uh, and Virgo shows us on the internal world when balanced and and done in a way that I think uh, positive. It's incredible. The other part of this is it can be really dark, and and how Virgo energy can piece something out. And let's just say it's oneself. Yeah. And let's just say it's never perfect. Yeah. Right. And there we have the other sides. And that's where we bring in the key words of Virgo that are, you know, critical and criticism and, and, and you know, th- th- that type of energy. So um, anyway, uh, just I always like to think about the little things, just like you mentioned. Mel. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. that's a very important thing to bring up, because when we focus on the little things, we can you know lose the forest through the trees. And then we might get into this this critical state where we are very hard on ourselves and hard on other people, uh, whether we are verbal about that or not, you know, and so it makes me think of the opposite axis with Pisces and this idea of forgiveness. So how can we be more forgiving of ourselves and other people when we see little imperfections or things that are not ideal or don't live up to our expectations? Um, because that's the thing. It's like, that's with every sign, right? It's giving a, there, it has its blessings and its quote unquote curses, you know, there's, yes. It's not really a curse, but to use that term, because like you said, the outward of Leo, you know, it's just the creative energy and this rush of passion and expression and desire. And we kind of just put it out there, but it can be fiery. It can be messy. How do we, how do we take that creative impulse and hone it in? Right. This is where we get the editor. This yep. is where we get the person that takes all that was put out there and then brings it back in and pieces it out and makes it into this perfected form. And the perfected form, the funny thing about that is that what we see that as in our head very rarely <laughs> yes. is the, you know, material perfected form looks different than, you know, conceptualized fiery perfected form. So we have to have room for that, right? Because essentially Virgo gets us to this place of mastery. You can be all inspired to learn an instrument. You've got all these great ideas coming out, but if you don't hone it in and get the right balance and get the right flow and like remove, I think about Miles Davis, he said, what it was, I'm botching this completely, but said the, you know, it's not about how many notes you play. It's how few. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, because the silence and the space, that's all relevant uh, to the the meter, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say something here for any any Virgos listening, watching, have Mercury and Virgo and stuff. Something Mel that that Mel just said was huge. The silence in the space. And, And I just let's just hold that 
as we go through this, because I think when we get to the end of this, it comes back into play of some thoughts that I have when we wrap things up, Mel. It kind of has to okay. do with what you just said. Okay. So all right. We're gonna put a pin on we're gonna put a pin in that. Yeah. And we are going to take it to actually the next very important thing that is, I mean, obviously Virgo is Mercury season, but you know, the universe loves to give us loves to play its tricks, as does Mercury, right? And so who is going retrograde stationing on the day that Virgo season starts. Well, that is good old Mercury hanging out in Virgo. And so we have the start of Mercury season where Mercury is stationing. So you know, um, there you know there's action in the skies, right? And it's fascinating because it will retrograde only through Virgo, right? Um, but it will do so within the entire season. So we have like the whole Mercury retrograde encapsulated in Virgo season itself. And so think about that solar dynamic that is ruled by Mercury and it's sort of back and forth prog- uh, process here. So what's your take on that? Of It's almost like Venus retrograde in the beginning of Leo season, but not quite yeah. because Mercury is ruling the sun. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think it's like... It's- I think it's like 2 a.m. in the morning, 2.01 is like the sun enters Virgo. And then it's um, like one in the afternoon. These are Pacific times that Mercury station. So you you have this imprint that starts off the birthdays. And since Mercury goes backwards for three weeks, it's pretty much what you said, most of the Virgo season, birthday season. Um, I, I, I think I love stuff like this, even though it could be difficult for some. I love stuff like this because of the the inherent power that's involved, the the obviousness involved. So again, my Virgos, people heavily influenced that way. Uh, you're in for a ride, I think here, and you've been prepped. You've been prepped here because even before this uh, ingress, the Virgo birthdays, and then the retrograde station, you've been prepped for the last couple of weeks here with Mercury being in Virgo. Yeah, and, and you know that is your. That's your go-to place, actually, is that period of time because it'll be reflected back towards you during the retrograde. And I'm saying that, especially for people listening like that or into details who are going to want to piece something out, put it back together in or back. You have some references here. You, you have past situations, memories have carried in to this particular day. And But I, I think more than ever with this particular Mercury retrograde, I think we're in for a lot of shenanigans, honestly. We are. Yeah. And and so (laughs) we're saying that, we're prefacing, we're warning you. um, But I I think it's important to remember the fluid, being fluid and the mutable nature of Virgo and of Mercury and Virgo, because I think that's what comes to save the day during the retrograde when there's miscommunication or there's things, you know, not exactly on point or what you thought it was going to be. Uh, that remember remember the mutableness of things, and that's what carries you through. So um, to keep it simple, <laughs> I like I like this particular situation. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be easy though. So yeah. yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like you you bring Mercury retrograde in the mix. We're always going to get something. That's just the nature, right? Especially when it's stationing uh, retrograde, but big butt. We have Mercury in domicile here. So Mercury is bringing the tricks, but it also is great at problem solving. 
So something flares up, something goes, uh, you know, awry, you thought you had it all together and then you realize you didn't, you have the perfect setup to go back and tweak to figure out the solutions, right? Uh, because it's interesting with Mercury going retrograde is it does uh, that near miss with Mars, right? It never quite makes it to Mars and this sort of, um, you know, fusing of the idea and the action. And instead it is, uh, has to go back and, but also it's making trines, you know, the whole cycle, it's making trines with Uranus. It's making trines with Jupiter. It feels like, cause sometimes we have to pull back and fine tune things. This is the end of Mercury's synodic cycle, right? So what's missing? What are the parts we still need? What do we have to piece out? What do we have to edit? Maybe we are on a big project like I am right now. And there's all these pieces that need to be sorted out. And it's not time to move forward. It's time to work on what you've already worked on and get it into uh, shape so that it can be the best it can be for all the work that you've put in. Yes. And so uh, I no. agree. Um, I can't got to say this. Say it. I, 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 it didn't really hit me till recently. Like astrologers, we look at the at the beginning of the year and we're looking at the upcoming year, right? Pluto and Aquarius, Saturn and Pisces, you know, all this yeah. stuff, Venus retrograde. But what I didn't really grasp until recently, like, is this review process that's happening with Leo and with Virgo at the same time. It's 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 interesting to have them overlapping, these overlapping stories of retrograde review stories. And not only that, both like Venus and Leo and Mars and Virgo, which is happening and, you know, Mercury and Virgo, they all have relationships, aspects to Uranus and to Jupiter during yeah. all this. It's, it, it, I, you know, I haven't, I can't remember a situation like this where there's been some planets that are involved, like signs that are right next to each other. We started off talking about this podcast about the uh, uh, external expression of Leo and what desire is and harmony. And we have this internalization going on with Virgo. And we are in this season of Leo Virgo, but the, it, everything's overlapping. So it's like, I, I, I find it, I'm still trying to gauge this whole thing. But, but in particular, if you're one to work with details, work with systems and, and wanting uh, to uh, stories and systems to fulfill themselves, you're in a prime territory here actually for, uh, uh, to get things done, I think. I don't think they happen rapidly, but in the Leo parts of one's chart and the Virgo parts of one's chart, they're connected here in, in a different type of way that I don't usually see. Uh, I just wanted to say that. Um, yeah. 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 I, I think that's a great point. I'm seeing yeah. it in my own life. Maybe you're seeing it in yours. Yes. Maybe you're seeing it out there as well, right? Yeah. Uh, because there is a, you know, the, the Zodiac has its interlinking stories from sign to sign. You know, we've all heard that before of like how this brings to this and then it shifts to this. But the whole Leo Virgo thing is always so intriguing to me just because it has that that, that ego response and that creative response, but then how do we fine tune that and get to this place of, uh, self-mastery, right? Yes. So they really do work hand in hand, even though they're totally different, but a lot of times you need totally different in order to get the best results, you know? Uh, so yes. I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be a wonderful retrograde, but as you said, there will be shenanigans. So definitely, uh, take that into account. So Let's talk about um, the lunar cycle that is under this uh, period of time because we actually start with, and 
to talk about shenanigans, right? We start uh, before Virgo season, we have the new moon in Leo, which is square Uranus, uh, ex- pretty much exactly. And then we also have Mars trining Uranus, among other things going on in the sky. But those are the, the big signatures of that new moon cycle. So the new moon cycle is fascinating on its own. And then we break out into mutable quarters, right? We have um, the uh, first quarter in Sagittarius. We have that blue, that blue moon in Pisces where we're getting, you know, the second moon in one uh, month mm-hmm. span. And then we have that last quarter in um, in Ver- or no, Gemini, another uh, mercurial sign here. So any thoughts on just this lunar cycle setup that's going on? Like I, overview? I, I, you know, the, the, the new moon that happens people in the future that happened on August 16th <laughs> is totally centered with Uranus. Uh, it's, this is interesting. Uranus just keeps coming back. Jupiter does too, but Uranus just keeps coming back this oh, whole summer. Relentless. I, I, I yeah, it's relentless. And so then, you know, it comes back later in another lunation. I think here on the 30th with the full moon, um, I Saturn is such a major player in, in Pisces with this because it's it's conjunct uh, the moon in Pisces. And, uh, you know, Mercury at that point is, you know, is retrograde. But I actually like this because if there's Virgo shenanigans going on, Right. Mm-hmm. And and a Mercury retrograde, I always welcome anything Pisces in whatever form. They need each other. I think they both seek the same thing, a, a, a place of transcendence. Virgo's gonna do it through systems, hopefully finds that transcendence and perfection there and, and does like a series of yoga poses. Okay. Virgo's gonna do a series of yoga poses. The system is created, and then they you get to the Zen place, happy, content place. Pisces does it in another way. They might smoke a joint or take some mushrooms to do it or, or, or do something else. <laughs> Not saying that's the only way. Whatever the way, the vehicle they're using, they're both trying to find this place. And, and I think when it comes to this particular uh, uh, full moon on the 30th, I think Pisces brings some structure in, in a, uh, uh, the Saturn and Pisces bring some structure in a, some sort of Piscean way. Can Pisces actually have some sort of structure, right? It's usually water emotions with no boundaries spilling out a lot of the times, boundaryless. But here, Saturn likes to contain it. And I yeah. think that helps actually the Virgo story here to show a different way and a different system that they can bring into their world that's not typical, not the typical language that they speak. Okay. And I think that has to do with faith, and believing that it will be okay. Yes. And that a lot of times there is not a particular system that that normal system that fits in. It's an other, it's a different type of thing. So uh, I think that's good. The lunation's good. Um, as for the, uh, you were talking about the rest of the lunations. I think on the, on the beginning part of what you said for the lunations with Uranus on the 16th and August, and then how we end, it's Uranus that's kind of the story in between with a little bit of Saturn. That's a quick 
thing you yeah. asked. You just, asked yeah, sorry. just a quick top off the, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I, I hear that. And those are, those are great things that you brought up about the full moon in Pisces, because you're right. Like there, Pisces can be the boundless. It can be, it can be the mess that actually Virgo is trying to fix up, you know, just because it's all over the place and it's like just doing its thing, which can be beautiful, right? It can be very freeing when we think about a Jupiter ruled sign, but emotionally, right? Um, and but having Jupiter and Taurus, right? We're getting we're getting containers, uh, especially with Saturn and Pisces, Jupiter and Taurus, Virgo season. It's not as um, you know spread around or as uh, you know. I guess we could say even as wet. It's, it's the Earth yeah. is soaking it up. There's there's yeah. more form here, uh, and maybe there's more peace, right? Because uh, Taurus likes to have the more steady you know, and, but we're trying to find that within the transition, right? Because there's the Uranian component. And then we have all these mutable, um, uh, stops on the lunar cycle. Whenever we're in mutable territory, we're in transition. Things are shifting from one form into the next. Um, especially these bigger fixed rooted placements, because the whole lunar cycle is essentially steeped in it, right? That Leo yes. Taurus action that Venus has been dancing over. So we already have the story. Now the sun comes along. It's like, it's like, ah, you know, has that illuminating force where it's like, this is your change. This is your new normal. This is what you desire. This is what you want to manifest. How are you going to change to make it happen? And so I feel like yeah. that's where yeah, we're that, at. Yeah. And I, it's, it's kind of goes back to basics, really just yeah. basic core astrological stuff, nature stuff, you know, where we, like you said, you mentioned there's so much fixed going on and, and, you know, mutable comes in to, to help actually it, it to, to get you ready, you know, and, and mutable always rules the changing of the seasons. You know, yeah. and I, I think, yeah, literally there's a changing of the season that's happening here, right? But I think it's even more than that because of the fixed story of planets, Jupiter and Uranus, fixed signs, the Venus retrograde story. Uh, I, 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 mutable on another level, I think, comes to save the day, particularly on that full moon. I'm staying really positive about that one because I, 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 think, I think whenever there's Piscean... Uh, energy or story that's actually concentrated and that is contained like what Saturn does, I think uh, those that transcendence that one seeks, the dream that one is following can manifest with structure, you know, and and that really in the long term is for the two and a half years that, that Saturn's in Pisces is learning how to do that. But in this case, I think it's not learning here. It's coming to help Virgo. And it's coming to help Leo, right? So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's... Yeah. Well, and like, let's speak about the changes and the transitions a little bit more because one of the things that's going on in Virgo season, we've already touched on Mercury, but there are so many planets that are stationing either retrograde or direct, right? Because here, let's bring Uranus back into the fold, right? Because Uranus is stationing retrograde. So this whole Uranian journey that we're on is going to do an about face. We got Venus, who's going to be stationing direct. We've got uh, Mercury, who stations retrograde and direct in mm-hmm. Virgo season. Um, and we also have Jupiter, who stations retrograde right after Venus does. Um, so that that's those are planetary shifts that are taking place. Um, so you know that... And that's the funny thing about Virgo season is... 
funnily enough, it is, it's pared down. It's not, there's mm-hmm. not a crazy amount of transits going on, but what it does is it packs a punch in these directional ways with all the stations um, and just the right amount of aspects at the right amount of time to Yeah, yeah, it's like it's refined, story. like it's a it refined is. movement, mechanical movement, just at the right times, these stations and these movements forward. And I think, by the way, I would consider what you just said in a more embodied approach especially when we deal with what happens culturally when we talk about mercury retrograde or retrogrades in general because mm-hmm. of the connotation that comes along with it in mass culture it's a lot of it's negative or yeah people tend to blame the transit oh, no. so um mercury's but, uh, in gatorade it's my life is going to blow up <laughs> yeah yeah and i and i and so we have all these other stations that i think it is dialed in I think it is refined to bring in the more to bring in the theme of this particular podcast of what Virgo does and the reasons why and we will see the reasons why we catch some of them here I think because of uh it just so happens to be the changing of the season but um if one can look at movement and intricacy, even though it doesn't seem like it's moving forward, that there's planets stationing to go backwards, some are moving forwards you can understand that. That that uh, that type of uh, zone, that space, it seems like everything's in flux, but it's actually the way it's supposed to be. If you can understand that, I think you can take in a a, a mutable way and a mutable way of life, a mutable thought process, because that mm-hmm. mutable energy is living like that constantly, right? Yeah. If, you're that you live that life and you're able to juggle and to balance and there may or, or uh, uh, storylines, processes, projects, but that's life that, that you, it works that way sometimes. And you have to be able to do that. And if you don't know how to do that, to learn how to take in some mutability. So to back up the mutable story, yes, we have all, we have these stations happening, you know, and moving forward. Uh, you know, one can say it's, one foot's on the brake, one's on the gas, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Especially when all, all most of the stations are happening in fixed signs, right? In the Taurus and, and Leo. So it's only Mercury that's like, and hey, as cliche as it sounds, you know, your perception's your reality. Change huh. your mind, change your life. You know, so we have this uh, <laughs> this is motivational speaker Mel coming in. Um, <clears throat> we have this opportunity, right? So there is this, and I love the word that you brought in um, with refinement, because that's that's an important part of this. Um, you know, it is the sign. Virgo is the sign of the hermit, right? Yep. To bring back in what you were saying earlier about that internal pro- process. You know, Virgo can be known as a little shy and, you know, no withdrawing, you know, it's more concentrated within self. And so there can be a big portion of this as this inner journey that we're piecing out, you know, looking at our lantern and what, what that lantern is trying to tell us. And that's an inside job. And so Virgo is really associated a lot of times with work. And so here we have, we're doing the work but there might be more of that internal work that is taking place. Yeah. I'm. You're bringing up the work and really at the core, it's interesting. We haven't said this word yet, but it's service. And, mm, and, you, yes. and you hear this a lot, right? And it's true. If, if one were to take in the more modern astrology, psychological astrology, humanistic style, they're going to look 
at stages of of the of the signs, twelve signs. So if one's looking at a chart, this this is a different concept. They're looking at the bottom of the chart. So it starts with Aries and goes to Virgo, and they're pretty much saying that's a subjective subjective journey of oneself, right? So when we get to the Leo part. Uh, you're expressing out, like we talked about earlier, we get to the next sign, Virgo, and then there's this internalization. It's really what they're saying is this in service to yourself first to understand what just happened in the five stages before and why. It's because the sign after Virgo goes into Libra, which is the northern part of the chart. It starts the next six signs. And that's what they say sometimes is the more objective part of things. So in a sense, one is going out then from Virgo to Libra to serve in relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and it keeps going. But in a sense, we go from subjective to objective. So in a sense, Virgo kind of shores up the five steps before from this point of view, from this philosophical view from a yeah. modern astrology thing where then Virgo does the work internally, serves oneself and realizes that it's not then it's not just about self. It's about the rest of the world and other. So that's how they serve. They serve themselves and they serve others or they contribute to a situation or at least they start to on that story. But in order to do that, you must first know how to serve yourself. You must have your your stuff together internally and externally in your personal life. And if you do that and you have that together, you are in an opportune, most efficient, most power-packed way of then helping externally, whether it's others, a person, community in the world. So th this, is, this is a thing here to remember. And I like that way of viewing things. Some are going to come from a more traditional space and not look at it that way. But I've always taken that that especially the transition from Leo to Virgo to Libra, that it's this Leo me and then the internal me with Virgo and then it goes to other, you're branching out. So yeah. I want to say that because of what service means. It doesn't necessarily mean that you serve others all the time. It also means you serve yourself first, right? Yeah. So because sometimes there's a negative connotation with service or work. And let's be real. Virgo energy at the same sometimes won't say anything like you mentioned earlier, Mel. It could be quiet or kind of just doing the work in the background, the little things. If you're working on a team of people, Virgo's not going to complain per se and just pick up the work. And if somebody doesn't show up to work, they're going to do that other person's work. But they're doing it thinking if everyone did what I was doing, we would be really you know, this would be an amazing machine, but it doesn't work that way sometimes. That way. <laughs> yeah. And then that's where you see the breakdowns happen. You see Virgos break down physically, their nervous system, their digestive yeah. system. And that's when they have to take a step back and serve themselves, yeah. like serve themselves then so they can go back and serve the whole. That's my thing. Anyway, that's what came up when you mentioned work. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I think that really plays off of the whole opposition of Virgo and Pisces because Pisces is a different form of service too, where it will sacrifice itself for maybe mm -hmm. humanity or the greater good or all the animals, you know, you think about all the rescue farms are probably, you know, there's some Virgo Pisces action going on there, yep. but you need that. You can't sacrifice yourself uh, wholly to uh, the problems of the world or what needs to be, you know, attended to or cared for or fixed if you don't have 
that service to the self. And it makes me think of actually, uh, when I was first getting into astrology, um, I would watch, this was like almost 20 years ago. Now I would watch the, uh, Christopher Wateki on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And he, I, oh, would just, yeah. I just loved his demeanor, uh, you know, back in the early days. And, and he would always say this about Leo and Virgo and always stuck with me. It's like, Leo is, I love myself. Virgo is, I love myself some more. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and it makes a lot of sense to what you're sharing here, right? Because we have to have that love ourselves, love for ourselves, but it is actually put into action and play and realized. You know, it's not just a love for ourselves. Like, look at me. I'm like, great. It's like, no, look at me. I love myself. And then I take care of my body. And then I like do all the things that I need to feel, uh, cared for and, um, like physically, but it just, yeah, my world shows that I pay attention to me so that I can then give that to others. And I've always kind of looked at Virgo through that filter and watching heavy Virgo action. Cause there is, it isn't that just like selfless, selfless service. There is that I love myself some more. And that's why they can be very discerning, right? That's not a word we've talked about here either. Yeah. What is Virgo's favorite word? This is might be Saturn's favorite word, but I really think it's Virgo's too. And that is no. Virgo can say no. And that's because they love themselves some more, right? Because yeah, if, if they're, I think I, and this is, I think right where we are is super important, Mel, because through client work, through anyone who's had major Virgo stuff, depending on where they are in their life or whatever was happening cyclically in their charts or whatever, I think the point, this place that we're at where the no, the space before that sometimes is where I see the breakdown happen. As yeah. in, they will break themselves down and be so highly critical of themselves and they'll get in these dark holes. And 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 it's there, it's how do they move through that? How do they get that? They have to say, no, I I I can't keep doing this to myself like, like piecing myself out, looking in the mirror and criticizing myself, so on and so forth. I, I had to look at myself. I had to see what else needs to be refined from the Leo stage of things. And I'm bringing it here internally to go forward. But on an internal level, it was like, no, I'm not going to beat myself up anymore or criticize myself anymore. I think I'm not good enough. Or or it's like sometimes, you know, looking in the mirror and just like can't stop a, trying to find the imperfections in one's face yeah. and just, just, just keep going. And so at that point, you know, it's like, no, I'm not going to do this. This life is more than this. You know, life is more. And you could take that energy into what it means when we're relating to the world or other people, or let's say we're about to step out of the Virgo world into relating with other people is to understand that the tie-in, and this is the Pisces Virgo tie-in again, is that the imperfect is perfect. That actually is perfection. I think is the realization that the imperfect is perfect, right? And to, once a Virgo or something is in that place, then it's the game changes, you know? Yeah. And, and in a sense, they get to reflect that outwardly with other people and relationships and to show that show them that too, that, yeah, I will help you with this particular part of your world. And I, I see what's not working in your, in your life and you could change that, you know, and Hey, don't sweat it. Once you do, it's going to change again. In a sense, that place is the imperfect is perfect place too. you know, the acceptance of something like that. 
Um, we're yeah. That's, anyway, that's a, Pis- we, that's a Pisces word right there too. That acceptance. Yeah, we're playing yeah. on all the right. We can't. Yeah. we have the the polarities. They really yeah, and, yeah. This is good though. This is good though, Mel, because I think a lot of times people don't understand that the gift of one sign is the other sign yeah. on the other yes. on the other side, and that they need yes. each other. They y'all need each other. You know, so. Yeah. And some of some of you might have that inherently if you're like me and have oppositions in your chart. And but if you don't and you're you're heavily like if you have one of those charts where maybe you are Leo, Virgo and some Libra and it's just like this tra- start to look at all those other signs. You'll realize them and with other people in your life they'll just pop up. But especially when we have difficulties with those signs or we're trying to learn ways to mitigate and balance our energy. Yeah. Look across look across the pond. Because that's where um, a lot of times the solution is, right? Yeah, they say, oh, what do they say? Opposites attract, so. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They yeah, attract yeah, yeah. and they repel. <laughs> yeah, and they repel. Yeah, and, let's, and then yeah, they let's not forget that again, part, right? Mel, the, the repel. The push pull. It's the push-pull, right? <laughs> um, so, all right. Well, before we get into our full-on uh, going through some of the more details of the transits, one thing we have to talk about still left with this season is, that is Mars. Uh, Mars hasn't got any play yet, and, and Mars is going to be moving out of Virgo and into Libra. Uh, and essentially, Virgo is leading us into eclipse season. So... Uh, uh, there's something to be said about Mars starting to get a feel for the territory, uh, especially in its, you know, its, uh, its its detriment sign too. So it's not like Mars is, you know, most at home there in, in Libra, but it, it's paving the way. It's doing its um, uh, pioneer action and getting us prepped for Libra. So any thoughts on uh, Mars and Libra? Yeah, I, um. Uh, just, just I get to break the wall here. What's it? What do you call it, Mel? When you kind of break the wall in media, third wall. What did we do? The fourth. It's the, breaking the fourth wall. We're breaking the I fourth think. wall here. I'm going to break the fourth wall. Uh, the, we 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 have notes that we look at here. That Mel, by the way, this is another reason why Mel's incredible because she outlines stuff and has these details that we're looking at. Anybody that's on her show is going to have these details that guide us. And the conversation goes where it goes, especially with you and I, Mel. We'll just go on, <laughs> on our conversations. Right? So I'm looking at the outline. And so let's just say a date. So we, you mentioned Mars is going to Libra with these fabulous notes that you have here is on August 27th, right? Yeah. Um, but like a couple days before, just to bring in a Mars thing, Mars is in Virgo at the later degrees and makes a trine with Pluto and Capricorn at, at the August 24th. So I like to bring up stuff of what, like a story that just happened. Yeah. Mars yeah. just went through an incredible cycle of a couple months of making aspects in Virgo to pretty much every single outer body planet. It, along the way, True. we go, we go, we go Saturn. It's doing Ju- Saturn, Jupiter, Neptune, Uranus, Pluto. It, it made a connection with every single one of them. It, it, it Mars and Virgo ends with the Pluto trine, which is awesome. But then here we are on the 27th, we have this Mars into Libra. And yes, Mars technically does not at home there in Libra. I think this is a, uh, another fascinating story astrologically for the fall because it really does, like you mentioned earlier, Mel, sets up a situation for the eclipses. I think here, the eclipses that have happened at South Node, Libra, North Node, Aries, and even the eclipses before that had to do with South Node, Scorpio, North Node, Taurus, it's a Venus and Mars story here. Almost three straight yeah. years of a Venus and Mars story with the eclipses. It just flips. So here, this Mars and Libra story is such a huge setup. I think it's interesting. 
that Mars and Virgo made a trine to Pluto on the 24th. Down the line, towards the end of this transit with Mars and Libra, it's going to square Square, Pluto. yeah. And it does this like through eclipse season. I actually personally think that it's one of the hardest parts of the year, especially if you have late degree cardinal, like signs and, you know, degrees and cardinal planets. Let's remind everybody, right? Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think about this. I, I think this entrance of Mars and Libra, I'm going to miss Mars and Virgo, actually. I'm going to miss that transit. Me too. Transit. Yep. I'm going to miss it. Not to, it's not so productive. To, yeah, productive, <laughs> hitting hitting all the planets, different stages of a story. You can really piece it out the way Virgo likes to do. Mercury's been along for the ride a little bit here in, in, in Virgo. Mercury go, being backwards during this whole time touches upon those uh, uh, degrees and spaces that Mars did in Virgo for the last couple months. Let's not forget that, that that's interconnected. But this Mars and Libra thing is very touchy to me. It, it, it's very touchy to me, and I, I don't, I don't like to say it this way. Don't feel the best about it, but I'm a little bit more hesitant and a little bit more sensitive with this particular transit. So, uh, anyway, that's some thoughts about the ingress. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is definitely going to be stirring the pot. I mean, that's what Mars does, right? Yeah. And especially when we are in uh, what Gray and I were talking about in our mid-year recap and kind of looking ahead, this second half of the year is all about the, the personal planet story. It's about Venus and it's mm -hmm. about Mars between the eclipses, Venus retrograde, um, obviously Mars getting closer and closer to the start of a new synodic cycle in Scorpio in November, you know, so this is a, this is also Mars at the getting to the end of its, its cycle, which started in Libra, right. Yep. You know, a couple mm -hmm. of years ago. So there's sort of these bigger cycles at play, but there's these interpersonal dynamics going on. That's what's most important here. Right. So Mars kicking up some dust in Libra, um, there is going to be, you know, little, little disarray, especially in the, the harmony department and the, uh, aesthetic department and the relationship department. Um, but there is also can be working and instigating those same things, you know, the, the harmony and coming together and finding compromise. So, you know, a lot of times we have to get to compromise through conflict. That's just the nature of it. You'll see great war generals that have Mars and Libra. Because we can't get to the compromise unless we stir the pot and there are two warring sides. I look at Nicholas is something. I will face. Well, I have my face for those who are just listening on the audio. I'm just laughing because I had some things. I'm like, I think it's interesting. We spent a lot of this podcast talking about the the Leo into Virgo story how to prepare itself then to go in the relational yeah. situations and to serve. And then it goes Mar we get Mars in the in the Libra. And then I reason why I was smirking is because. You said the word. Sometimes you have to have conflict. And, and that's a hard one for Libra. It is. On paper. Yeah. Conflict disrupts harmony. Right? Not but good it, for business. Not good for business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it needs to happen. It has to happen. So the maneuver something through that. And if we look to the ruler of yeah. Mars and Libra, it's the Venus and Leo story. Yeah. Right? So... um. That's why the, the look on my face, just to explain, explain that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. But it just carries on. It's not an inter I, you know, it's a yeah. cardinal sign, so it will introduce new scenarios, but it's not going to introduce anything that new, being late stage in its cycle, being ruled by Venus, who just went through a retrograde cycle. 
there are, it's a continuation, but it's a pivot point of what we've already been. Definitely. I definitely agree. I, I, I'm glad you brought in those, these other words, the color of the situation, Mel, because I first talked and really when I first started to talk about it, I was like, I'm not feeling it. like it's not my favorite transit, but as always with all transits, we try to find the way. So that's right. Yep. That's right. And so get it, you know, get, even though this podcast will come out only a few days uh, before there's how, you know, a few days left of Mars and Virgo, but get that Mars and Virgo while you still got it. This yep. is Mars and Earth's productive Earth sign. It moves into Libra. We're talking about Mars and more social connections. Mars is in our head, you know, where it's it's less about getting, especially backed by Venus and, and Leo. It could be very, I feel like it could be inspirational in yes. um, a sense uh, as far as, and creative. So that those are nice aspects of, of all this, but there is going to be some of um, that tension. So that is all being just just to say i want to interrupt you but just just to say timeline wise you know that mars and libra ingress happens on the 27th of august and as you have here on the next day you have the uranus uranus stationing retrograde on the 28th so uh so just just noted note that noted all right well we're going to talk about all that right because we're going to get into actually virgo season starting here. So if you're watching the video, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. And we talked about a lot of things here. So we'll just uh, sort of glaze (laughs) and give uh, scenarios um, as we talk more specifically. Oh, I have a a really random chart. You have a fascinating date on this chart right here. Uh, for audio <laughs> listeners, do we do we tell them what you have? Oh a few- <laughs> my goodness! Do, I do have a fascinating day here. What day do I have? I have December twenty third, nineteen thirty five. Wow. Why, Why do I have that? I feel like I was looking at someone's someone's chart. I mean, obviously, I was looking at someone's chart here. Um, Saturn was in Pisces, by the way. In this chart, you have Saturn and Pisces. It's at actually five Saturn degrees. return to this chart ah, almost. Oh, that's what it is. That's what it is. That's <laughs> why you have it. Because I see, I go, what is it? I see that Saturn and Pisces at five degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. I wish I could remember. It's a celebrity. It's uh, coming back December 23rd, 1935. If anyone wants to do the, you know, get on the sleuth, get the mystery, I'm sure you'll be oh, able yeah, to find it. I'm sorry. We're going to do this. We're going on a tangent here. You have Uranus is in this chart in Taurus. At uh, at one degree retrograde. Uh, anyway, I just see two yeah. factors connected to now. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Is- and it came back to it. This is a chart of, oh, it's some, oh, you know who it is? That's all coming back. I don't remember his name. Um, uh-huh. It was, it's, he's a, a very wealthy person um, out of maybe like Montana or something like that. He hmm. is one of the biggest philanthropists still, still living that has given, has pledged to give away the majority of his money, um, his $2 billion uh, huh. dollars, um, before he passes. And I looked up his chart because he is just gave a sizable donation to the San Diego Safari Park to do a whole um, elephant uh, encounter that is going to br- mimic the elephant's uh, habitat in um, in Africa and even bring in these elements of different 
times of the seasons and allow the elephants to be in their own pods and like all these things. And so I was just curious of why this person was so generous, um, you know, because not every billionaire out there is willing to give away their whole fortune. And so I thought it was interesting that their whole chart came back to this Jupiter in uh, Sagittarius right on Antares, right? Lining up that fixed star and they have a moon Jupiter conjunction. Um, So Uh that was fitting. And then that being, uh, yeah, anyways. Oh, one more thing we could say to this, cause we're doing this. Not only that, <laughs> not that I think that's the center point, like you said, but interesting too, like his heart, how his heart deals, not his literal functioning heart, but his heart, the way he feels about things. And in a sense, his, his, is the wound in the world. The reason why I say this is because he has Chiron and, and Gemini there, but his Mars and Aquarius trines Chiron. So he has a signature in his chart that is to like help the collective, right? In mm-hmm. one sense, because that Mars and Aquarius is vibing with this Chiron. Anyway, that was a surprise delineation chart that you have up here. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm, that's funny. I'm That's funny. We're I'm, talking about this person we, and we don't know his name. We can't remember, but I'm sure your oh viewers God. will figure it out. I, yeah. Maybe I'll share it in the, yeah. uh, hopefully I'll, I don't know why I can't remember his name right now. Um, but so, so it is. All right. Well, now let's get to our Virgo season here. Let's go to our, <laughs> see, this now. is what happens when Mars and Mercury gets together. You know, Gemini. Just, Gemini that's, so. that's right. You, we are going to, we are going to distract you with something else that you Ugh. didn't think you were going to get, but you're going to like it anyways. Yes. Um, okay. So let's get to our Virgo season, August 23rd, 2.01 AM here in Pacific time. Um, and we are coming off of that new moon. We've got a moon in uh, Scorpio. And just as... Uh, Nicholas and I were talking about, you know, we get to the half of the day, half of the day in, and we are going to get Mercury stationing uh, retrograde here. Did I get it? Yeah. So Mercury right here at 21 degrees and 51 minutes of Virgo, it's it stations. And well, it's interesting too, we have the, uh, right before it stations, we have that Scorpio moon lighting up, you know, that, that mm-hmm. area too. Um, so just to sort of like, because th- this is the lead up actually to a first quarter in Sag that's happening um, the next day on the 24th. So we kind of like to have this pushing energy, right? When we get right into the season, because we're almost to first quarter um, and Mercury station. And it's not like, it's not, it's not a sleepy chart. Things be happening. <laughs> yeah. And look at like Mercury stations, but it has a Uranian influence too. Like, you know, right. Yeah. Uranus, look at that trine. Mercury's at 21 degrees stationing retrograde. Uranus is at 23. It's there. It was, it was moving right there. And then, then Mercury stops, but there is a Uranus vibe here. There so, is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that is very important to point out, right? Because oh, look at this moon. Look at this moon pretty much perfectly. Yep. Uh, so, okay. So we, you know, Virgo season starts, we get this sort of the shenanigans of, of Mercury stationing retrograde, but then we have this Scorpio moon that's stirring the pot with both Mercury uh, and Uranus. And, you know, we already talked about Mercury playing the tricks. So chances are on that Wednesday, we might have a little uh, surprise or two that comes, uh, you know, with, with the territory, just because Uranus is being activated. Um, as you can see here too, Uranus is, 
is slow, right? Uranus is about to mm-hmm. station too. So uh, only four days later, five days later. So this is a big, you know, storyline, right? Because Mercury basically stations, same thing. It's back to the Taurus story with Mercury stationing in Taurus earlier in the year. And it almost made it to Uranus, Mm -hmm. but it didn't quite. And so there is sort of maybe the breakthrough or the, um, you know, the evolutionary point or the, or the, fully deciding upon certain changes or shifts or, you know, that Uranian component. And we don't quite make it there. It's like they both got to go internalize before we get the perceptual download yes. of what and, this two and, story is, is. Yes. And just for people here, they will make it there. It will eventually, it will. at least mathematically, fulfill itself. <clears throat> so, yeah. yeah. Um. Which I mean, I gotta. Yeah, you gotta look. I can't leave it like that. September 30th. September 30th is, why is that? Did I have it right? Hold on. Hold on. No, I had it on the Radix. Scratch that. Scratch that date. It's close though. Actually, it's still September 30th. It's just off (laughs) by a couple hours. Um, So don't scratch that. That's the right date. Uh, So So keep that in mind. Yeah, there's Mercury now in this chart to September 30th. It's it's not retrograde anymore. It's 22 degrees. But Uranus is retrograde now at this point, yeah. right? At 22 degrees. So, but yeah, that's they they do in a sense have some sort of fulfillment. Uh, I think this the 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 chart you had before with the station does have a Uranus influence. I think more than other retrogrades per se. There's I think I would expect a lot more shenanigans to happen. You know that particular week in those days. I, I just, just do at the beginning yeah. of Virgo season. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I just do. I just feel yeah, it. Yeah. So. No, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right about that. So yeah. let's go back in time to where we were before, you know, we're Gemini energy jumping, jumping ahead, jumping all over the place. Uh, so let, Oh no, that's the station direct September 15th. Okay. We are back to August 23rd. And, um, so yeah, it's kind of a lit up first day of Virgo season, which brings us to the following day of first quarter in Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. Um, and so not only do we have, oh, well, well, I'm I'm jumping ahead. No, it's about the same thing. Um, So we have this first quarter in Sagittarius, which is interesting to think about pushing off from um, Sag, you know, being this kind of open, expanding, what's the, what's the story, the philosophy, what's the future look like? Where am I, you know, moving forward here? And then we have this Mars Pluto trine, which you uh, mentioned earlier when we were talking about Mars's story before it moves into uh, Libra. So we have an interesting activation day. Any thoughts on uh, like a Sag first quarter, especially at one degree? I mean, I have it at six degrees here, but one, it's like kind of like the start. Yeah, it's the start. I, again, I think it's just a, a carryover of wild mutable energy that comes from the, the day before in, in the last mm-hmm. 48 hours. I mean, I, I just remember on the 22nd, actually, it's not even 40 hour, 48 hours before that, uh, uh, I think there's a Venus Jupiter square. You kind of see it in this chart. Uh, Venus is at 14 degrees. Jupiter's at 15, right? You have, 
Oh yeah, uh, you can you can also see it in this chart too. Something else that happened a couple of days before Mars and Virgos at twenty eight. It just had its opposition with Neptune and yeah. Pisces at twenty six. So you have a lot of a lot of aspects and intense ones actually for forty eight hours, along with the station, and then you come into this first quarter. So I I cannot help but to bring in those things because I think they they color in this particular first quarter. I, I, I just can't help it yeah. as an astrologer to think about the 48 hours before, you know. It makes so, sense. Yeah. It's a lead up. Yep. Yep. So that's we're not pushing out of ground just because we want to push out of ground. <laughs> you yep. know, there is a whole lead up that forces that, that corner and that, that turning. So. Yeah. And, and then, you know, if we're concentrating at least on the mutable parts of this chart, you know, we're mentioning Mercury uh, is, you know, retrograde 21, uh, uh, the Mars and Virgo and uh, Neptune and Pisces, uh, you know, this this uh, one degree officially first quarter Sagittarius. But know that in the next day and a half, that Sagittarius moon is going to move forward and it's actually going to square all these other mutable points in the chart. It's going to square yeah. the newly retrograde mercury and and the mars and virgo and the neptune in in pisces so you know saturn here you know off the bat so that's the vibe that there there's i think there's mutability and switching up changing but i think it's a little how do i say the word volatile for these signatures but uh, you, you kind of have maybe. to yeah you kind of actually more have to have your bearings together just go okay everything's shifting really quick and out of nowhere it seems and and juggling those things that's the word juggling yeah and i think you brought up something very important that i sort of overlooked for a second maybe just because of b- the blind optimism of Sagittarius. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Is, Sorry. Yeah, is, the, is the Saturn piece, right? Because here's the thing, right? We are, we got a one degree Virgo sun. We got Saturn at four degrees over here. So what's wet? What's waxing? We got that sun Saturn opposition, which is always our, you know, bi-yearly moment where we, we, we here we have this opposition. We talked about oppositions earlier. So we're, we, we're, our awareness and our ego and our, uh, you know, just our vitality is staring at Saturn across the way. And who is like, wants to kick up, mm-hmm. kick up the party. It's that, that one degree Sag first quarter. That's essentially uh, bridging the gap, making this mutable T-square with the upcoming Sun-Saturn um, yeah, the yep. tension. So when you say volatile, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, sometimes we use, I, maybe, you know, Mars, you know, like we talk about aspects in astrology, Mars, Uranus, that's volatile, right? Mars involved. So yeah, volatile, volatile's getting there. I, I think adventurous is a word here we could use from a positive sense of like, because of this T-square and what Sag Moon brings, you know, is going to want to push things out as far as they can in a way and, and, and well, inflate. And inflate you might hit things. a wall, right? True. Yeah, With you Saturn. push. You're, you're, you're optimistic. You're ready to push. You're inspired. And then all of a sudden Saturn comes in. It was like, oh, did you, uh, in the, in the sun and Virgo, and it's like, oh, did you think about this? Yeah. Did you piece out the details? Were you going, you know, kind of blindly, uh, into this or, or maybe you do have that grand vision, 
But it, visions don't just manifest on their own. Then you're like, ah, I got to do the work. I got to, um, or I have to, or there's maybe these stipulations or this bureaucracy or just some sort of thing that comes yeah. in that you just have to deal with. And how do you not lose steam, right? How do you not lose the steam for like the enthusiasm that can come with the, the Sagittarian energy? Um, but it being in that, you know, pivot point with the sun and Saturn. So it's like, how can you still keep, keep that ball rolling, still be excited, but still do what is asked of you when maybe certain obstacles or con or, um, constrictions, um, come up. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of these astrologers that's going to say that the, the stronger planet like Saturn wins, quote unquote wins it, in this yeah, situation, does, yeah. but, but, in, and really, and in a more, progressive embodied approach, they have to find a way to work together. So, yeah. It is. Well, you know, think about it. The moon, the moon's our timing factor. The moon is what delivers these transits to us, but it's also how we emotionally take it. You know, I'd like to call it, I always like to call it the behavior motivator. So this, (laughs) this, it is, that's where, that's where the behavior is coming from. So, you know, the sun and Saturn will do its thing all day, but we're, we're behaving in the way that the moon is essentially kicking up for us. Um, so there's that, uh, but there's, you know, there's the sun Saturn. This is our yearly reality check. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. That doesn't have to be like, Oh, the life's life's bringing down its hammer on you. (laughs) You know, maybe for some people it might, but it also could be like, okay, well, this is what I'm building. This is what I dream of. We talked about this earlier, the dreams and, and you know, what you need to do in the moment and all these small things in order to accumulate the long-term plan or vision. Um, and so this is your, this is your celestial check-in moment with the progress, with the the growth and all the efforts and hard work and patience and kind of step-by-step um, and how you're not bigger than the laws of the universe sometimes too. You know, there's uh, these yeah. greater forces at play that you have to, <clears throat> you know, get clever with. My, my Virgos, it's just a moment for you. Yeah, I, I gotta say, you know, uh, uh, more than usual, like something like this, because of Mercury being retrograde in your sign, and you know, the Mars is there. It's been, you know, trying to been getting it done for the last couple months. We have a, we have a, I think a quiet moment here for the Virgos. I, I in a sense of Saturn being on the opposite side, and and uh, how you deal with that moment, how you deal with all that is the key. Just remember, you know, what we talked about earlier. Uh, let go. Have faith in something beyond yourself that everything's going to be cool and okay. Uh, whatever tools you have to quell your anxieties, your nervousness, if you feel unbalanced, uh, is a way to use this. Saturn not only is a limiter, brings limitations, it brings contemplation and meditation too, in mm-hmm. a sense. So here is a moment, I think, for the Virgos or I think anybody that has stuff mutable between zero and five degrees, let's say, that that they, you just, you know, remember that. If you happen to be listening to this and can catch that, uh, I, it's just a, a little something to use possibly. So, Yeah, no, I think that is uh, wise advice for people to just be aware of, right? Because yep. these these signatures don't happen every day. 
So even the, if they're if they're good or they're challenging or however you're percep- you're perceiving them, this is your moment. Yeah. So engage with the moment and, and get the juice out of it because it's all experience. It's like um the uh, I have an animal deck that has the vulture and the vulture is like my favorite card in it and it talks about how nothing is wasted. So no matter what you experience in life none of it is wasted, whether it's challenging or it is super, you know, beneficial and it helps. It's all part of your experience and helps you maneuver life going forward. So, um, Oh, that's good. By the way, nothing is wasted. Talk about some Virgo way of looking at something. I know, Uh, right. (laughs) You know what I mean? I, I, like every little piece, every little, whatever it's all used. It's all there, you know? So I really like that. No. Yeah. Well, and the sun is there, Mercury's there, Mars is still there. You know, we get we can tap into that. Yeah. So, so basically, we are just waxing forward to this Sun Saturn opposition, right? Which is actually going to perfect on the twenty seventh, the same day that uh, Mars actually moves into Libra that we were talking about here earlier. Yes. Um, and then on the 28th, Uranus stations, uh, retrograde. So here we have, we have this, (laughs) an interesting signature in the sky here because it is not a low point in the lunar cycle, right? Mm -hmm. We have, uh, we have this moon in, uh, basically, um, Aquarius, uh, and then actually Capricorn when we have fittingly enough, when we have the sun, um, Saturn opposition perfect. We have the moon in Capricorn, which is, you know, Saturn's sign. And, yes. uh, so it does have us on, uh, Saturn's team even more, more so than when the Sagittarius energy was here, all of a sudden we're, you know, we're free willing and getting our Sag on. And then Capricorn comes around and that's waxing energy. And we're like, Oh, okay. All right. Saturn. I hear you. I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, I, for some people who follow me on my Instagram, I got the special community pat t- tab. You got Moon Pluto here too. And I always like to make a note of Moon Pluto every month these days, especially yeah. because of what's happening with Pluto and what is happening and will all the way to 2025 with this dance at late degrees of Capricorn into Aquarius and then going back. I'm a big Pluto moon person. That's That's never, that's no joke right there. Every month we get to do this. I always like to make a note of it. Uh, um, it's super powerful. Depend if it's really. By the way, right there on the t- August twenty eighth, you have this chart. You have twenty eight degree Moon Pluto conjunction. We if we go back, we have to say. I have to say this. We go back to April for at the end of April. We had an eclipse that happened at twenty nine degrees Aries. It was the it was new Moon eclipse. So we have these anyway, for those who follow certain degrees, um, it's an interesting one here. Now, now here on the screen, you have a huge moment. Um, What's the day here, Mel? Uh, April 19th, uh, 9, 12 p.m. this year, 2023. Yeah, that was from earlier this year. So um, anyway, I like to, you had that chart up with, we're talking about Moon and Capricorn. We're talking about uh, uh, the reason why you brought it up because of a sun opposite Saturn, right? Um, but mm-hmm. just the thing, I couldn't help but see that moon Pluto thing. Yeah, there's um, 
well, it's important to take into consideration just because it's moon Pluto, right? We feel it every month. Yeah. But we are also exiting this period of the nodes switching signs and Pluto being in a T-square with it. And as you just brought up that uh, 29 degree solar eclipse that happened in April. So this is a hot spot. This yeah. These last degrees of the cardinal signs um, with the, you know, the turning points of, of destiny. That sounds so dramatic, but it, <laughs> but we really feel it when we get to that, that moon place. Right. And so don't be surprised, especially on Monday morning, right. It's the, it's the start of the week for a lot of people, um, the 28th, especially if you're on the East coast, cause it's probably right when you wake up before you have to go to, you know, get ready for your, your work. If you do, you know, a normal, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, nine to five, eight yeah, to have, five, have whatever. Fun with that one. Have, have. Yeah. You might wake up just in a, like, ah, like the, the, like the man, the man has got me down. You know, this the, is author- the, the authoritative that the powers that be, you know, are just clamping down on my world. I just, I just don't want to go to work. I just don't want, you know, that kind oh of thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I totally I, see it because <laughs> Mars is like, Mars and Libra is like, this isn't right. This isn't fair. Uranus is stationing. It's like, I, you know, I want something different. I want to rebel. Like I'm, you know, it's like the perfect setup, especially. Yeah. And then the sun, Saturn piece. Yeah. So. Sun, Saturn, like it's restrictiveness and yeah. stuff. I, um, you know, one, one more thing to say here. We're pointing out a 28 degree cardinal spot. I mean, we're pointing out 26 de- uh, degree to 29 degree cardinal. The, the nodes that are 26. And we have this Mars ingress on this chart at zero degrees. So for me, I cannot help but think down the line, when we get into the next eclipses and when Mars hits the 26, 27, 28, 29 degree realm in Libra, you know, these are the these are the signatures I like to look at when I'm when we're when I'm studying or researching uh, chapters in the story. So just saying that, you know. Yeah, uh, no, Mar- I think that's important to, to yep. take note of, uh, especially yep. when we talk about chapters in the story. I mean, Mars is sitting on a world point, so you know there yep. can definitely be some things happening in not just our own lives, but the collective yeah. in general. Collective with Uranus stationing, yeah. Yep. The, the Pluto piece, uh, obviously Saturn, you know, we think about authority figures and um, certain laws or mandates coming into place or uh, just the strict back to the systems and the structure, right? We talked about that with just Virgo in, in general. Um, so don't be surprised if uh, around August 28th, there's uh, some juicy news stories that uh, can maybe even be a little, little in, infuriating, you know? Yeah. Um, and- Yep, and play themselves out, play themselves out through that whole Mars and Libra transit. And then when it gets closer to those later degrees, like we were talking about, you know, Mars Pluto square. And then you know, anyway, uh, good times, Mel. Good times, good exciting times. times. <laughs> oh my goodness! So yeah. let us move to our our natural um, next point here which is actually going to be the full moon in pisces so let's get that up here so the full moon in pisces our blue moon here sneaking in at 8 30 uh 8 30 august 30th <laughs> um at 6 35 p.m here in on the pacific coast and so you'll see how earlier in the day we have you know the moon moving over that that saturn piece so we do sort of get that 
kind of kind of somberness um to to this moon um or at least just a saturn it, you know you could make it somber sometimes it's solidifying sometimes it feels like yeah. you got like some sort of structure or, or or something is solid it doesn't have to be a necessarily a negative thing and i know we talked about uh that earlier these different variations of saturn and pisces and what we're seeing mm-hmm. here but so here we have a seven degree and 25 minute Pisces full moon um, ruled by Jupiter here, uh, which is interesting because Jupiter getting ready to station two, right? Jupiter at 15 degrees of Taurus, which is actually also a world point because it's a concentration of the fixed signs. So just like the cardinal energy, that zero degrees of cardinal signs are these points so are the middle degrees of the fixed signs. So we have a really concentrated Jupiter and Taurus going on here. Um, you're being, you're being Mer- nice. You're being nice. Am I being nice? Give yeah, it to you're, me. You're, you're saying like concentrated. Concentrated. And, like, you're, and you're totally is point. It also could be the most stubborn. Oh, I caught. <laughs> <laughs> like the most concentrated stubbornness yeah. uh, involved too. Just That's a joke. Sort of, sort of. Hey, you're I'm being real. I know, I know <laughs> someone who has 15 degrees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. So who, what, who could this possibly be? So I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I'll take your yeah, word yeah. for it. It's good we're um, having a laugh about it. I know. Yeah. Hey, I'm excited for you. I'm just curious what this range will look like for you. Yeah, I'm um, really curious. Maybe I should get a reading. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, so this is where Jupiter's stationing, right? In only, yes. what, four, five days time? So Jupiter mm-hmm. is, is concentrating. Could be stubborn. Um, but it is definitely uh, a player. Especially since Mercury retrograde um, over there in Virgo is positioning itself to trine in. And that's a big thing about um, the station of Jupiter, which we're going to get to here in a second, is that Mercury is going to basically be trining it pretty much when it's stationed. So there's something about this whole Mercury-Jupiter story going on, too. Um, But so we have Uranus just stationed. Jupiter and Venus are about to station. And here we have this lit up lunar cycle for Pisces, which to me is also this point of transcendence, you know, especially emotional transcendence where something, you know, the full moon is a culmination. It can be a celebration. Uh, It can be a rise to the, you know, the bloom of, of our lives and where it's at right now. And right now it's in Pisces. And it's like, look at that Pisces zone in your chart um, and see where it could be highly emotional. And that can be very positive. That can be challenging. It just kind of depends. Um, but there's not a whole lot of like direct contacts with the luminaries themselves. So, you know, it's a mm-hmm. moving away from Saturn, but it's no like new moon squares, you know, Uranus or something. <laughs> so uh, anything pop out to you beyond maybe you the know, Saturn piece? I, I, I think what pops out to me is what happens after. It, mm. it, it, you know, be it's interesting to have the moon go through Saturn and then have this lunation and what could happen, right? And we yeah. talked about different ways Saturn and Pisces is, but then once it moves away, it's going to do his monthly conjunction with Neptune. True. You know, and it's interesting. In one way, it's like, do we wish that we had a Neptune, a moon Neptune conjunction first, then go into moon Saturn, where Saturn would corral the moon Neptune boundarylessness, like just blast it out? 
But in this case, it's the other way around. So, you know, Saturn brings some structures, can be some restrictiveness for, for that Pisces moon. You know, there's rules involved here, okay? There are, mm-hmm. but but the rules sort of get dissolved not too long afterwards a little bit with some inspiration, with, with some openness, with the connection to what is inherently everything, which is divine love eros. I could just say it that way. It's like, so, you know, moon goes, does do the lunation with Saturn and then eventually hits Neptune. So it's another, it's another part of the month that I always appreciate is moon Neptune conjunctions in Pisces. And, and and just to live it and love it because eventually, you know, down the line, Neptune's going to leave and go into Aries, the whole different beast. But moon, Neptune, Pisces every month, just like that moon Pluto that we're talking about, these are just fascinating places every month for me. Um, so anyway, that's a thought I had is what happens right after that. So no, I, I, yep. I get that. And I think that what you're bringing up here is actually really important because as this Pisces moon um, or any mutable moon for that matter, but especially the Pisces moon is bridging the gap between this Saturn uh, mm-hmm. Neptune action. This is going to be an increasing story for quite some time because obviously the next uh, grand, con- well, not the next, the next grand conjunction is Jupiter Uranus, but the one after that is going to be Saturn and Neptune um, at the world point at zero degrees Aries. So this whole bridging of the gap of these, this story, this is going to be an ongoing thing for the next couple of years, what you're bringing up, you know, the Saturn to Neptune. <laughs> if, you, if you have Pisces stuff in your chart or whatever, I mean, General, this is highly creative if optimized. Like, I, I, this is so incredible, the type of transcendence when we, when we look to transcend creatively when we say transcendent like we're like leaving our body or looking out towards something else right but really it's 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 transcendence here on planet earth or within yourself but the amount if used correctly i think ritualistically whatever you're going to do creatively very simple very quiet at times completely healing amazingly healing it's like taking a really nice bath like I, i you know one that's just rejuvenating, letting go, shedding everything. I am. This is typical words. I can't believe I'm going to say this stuff. Like I'm one <laughs> with the. I'm one with the universe. Love is everything. Anyway. No, I know what you're a, saying is important. Um, and I want to play off that. I'm trying to find a card real quick from our. I mean, the deck. other part of it is is the vehicles Here we, we and why you. Oh, you got it. What is it? So. Everything that you're saying there, right? So this full moon and the Saturn piece that we're talking about is happening in the eight, well, it's eight of stems for us here, but also the eight of cups. And so this is the, let me get that with the camera. So this is the card of essentially departure and walking away from something. And that essentially is transcendence. And that doesn't have to be literally in our um, like life. Sometimes it's emotionally where we yeah. have to transcend by moving on um, so that we can find satisfaction in what's, you know, uh, emotionally fills us up somewhere. Cause we can't, st- that's the whole thing about transcending is like, if you stay in the same place, then you're not going to be able to, to move on to the next thing. That's really are going to, yeah, kind of maybe be the dream, maybe be that that's what you need spiritually, right. Yeah. You know, having that moon Neptune, meeting because i look at saturn and then neptune and it's almost like to me it's like oh you hit the the hard space or you hit you hit the um 
I don't want to say rock bottom, maybe for some people, you never know. If you're having a hard Saturn transit, it could be a moment of rock bottom where you're like, ah, the universe has pulled the rug up for me. Um, but it can be this difficult or this harder place or this limiting space. But do you just sit in that? Or do you reach the Neptune components and the departure and the transcendence? And you're like, you know what? I'm going to let go. I'm going to accept it for what it is. I, it, it, by me releasing it, letting go and let God, you know, or the universe, whatever that looks like for you, it, it actually solves the, the barrier or the obstacle or the, the problem because you're not hardening in it. You're not, you know? Yeah. 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 I, 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 I really like what you said, and it's a good reminder for those watching and listening that even though Pisces is going through a restructuring, reevaluation period with Saturn being in the sign, it's just asking for the ways that one does Pisces to be reevaluated. There might be some stuff in the Piscean realm that doesn't work anymore that worked in the past. Yeah. And I always like to think of containers and vessels for water or how, how one uses Pisces stuff. How do you do Pisces? How do you let go? How do you connect to the divine? There's many ways of doing this. Some, I think, can become detrimental in one's world or in the Pisces part of the chart. And I think here from a Saturn to Neptune story, like what the moon reminds us when it moves forward, I think it's like Saturn's the rules. Like, hey, there's another way to do this. This other way doesn't work anymore. And then you get through that. And then there's a letting go of that possibly like the way you said with Neptune to bring in yeah. something new and actually really connects to, I guess is one way becoming a theme of this podcast is switching up and change because we are in this changeable season. So, you know, uh, anyway, just some thoughts on no, what you said. And, and what you said is a perfect segue to where we're yeah. going, right? Because this Full moon is literally sandwiched. I'll say it again. It's sandwiched between planetary stations. So when we're talking about switching gears and things shifting and things changing, this is essentially what's happening. And so are you on board? <laughs> are you, are you going to go with the flow? I think about Pisces. Are you going to, you going to go with the flow? Or are you going to get pummeled by the waves here? You know, if I want to go with the flow. And so we have that, you know, midweek, the full moon on Wednesday, the 30th, and then we have that Neptune moment on the 31st, but, you know, take us over to Friday, uh, in the beginning of the, the month, September 1st, we have an Aries new moon or not new moon, it's not a new moon. It feels like a new moon just because it moved into Aries, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a <laughs> after all that stuff we just talked about, know, it right? does it feels like um, like it's happy new year yeah. or something. Like yeah. Yeah, it's not yeah. a it's not a new moon, but it is a new Aries, <laughs> which comes around every month. And it does give you that spark and that like, all right, well, let's begin things and let's uh just take action, maybe pick the low-hanging fruit, you know, do do that, do that thing. So we get we our get first our, we get excuse, yeah. I'm sorry, Matt, we get Go our ahead. first at least while Mars is in Libra, we get our, our yes. Mars moon opposition that happens here. Uh, just to say that since we're that is show. true. Yep. That is absolutely true. So we do, and we got to remember that the Aries Libra story is a huge one mm -hmm. because this is where eclipses are now. So even though we don't have the nodes hanging out on this moon or this Mars, it's, it's yeah, it's activating those areas of our chart. Um, so I think that is very smart to point out because that's probably going to be happening early on Friday. Talk about the start of the day, right? You know, you yeah, it's uh, 1149 <laughs> a.m. is Mars or moon opposing Mars. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, Friday. Friday's got a little heat to it. Friday's got yep. a little heat, a little contention perhaps, but also some motivation. Um, but essentially all this is it's leading us into the weekend. We get some, some more Aries action on that Saturday the 2nd. But here we are. This is what I want to get to. Um, yes. Is the... I'm trying to... I'm trying to be good about making my time markers now. Uh, because That's good. No, it's good that, you're doing this on this particular yeah. podcast, Mel. Like, got yeah. new systems in place, time markers. Yeah. We were talking about this before we went live. It's about the details and structure. You're That's totally right. embodying this Virgo story. I, I am so glad. And we're doing it on the fly. You're doing it on the fly. I love this. My Saturn in Virgo was like, mm-hmm. All right, you go, girl. You do that thing. Um, so we, so here we have September 3rd. On Sunday, we have the moon in Taurus. Um, but what's really important here is that uh we have a, a Venus ruled moon, right? And who's stationing? Mm-hmm. We have Venus, who is oh, where's what? How did that jump ahead? Um, Oh, because she already was direct. Uh, We have Venus stationing on September 3rd uh, around dinner time here, Pacific uh, time. Um, And so here we have this Taurus moon ruled by Venus stationing. And then the next day, the moon crosses over Jupiter just as it's stationing. And so Sunday, Monday... And it's an interesting little turnover because not only that, we have Mercury who is trining Jupiter at the same time. So talk about a little hotbed of planetary action in the, in the Taurus Virgo Libra or or, sorry, uh, Leo zone, which we did a treatment on, you know, earlier in the podcast. So thoughts about this pileup. Again, we have a 24 hours where there's a station and another station happen. It's like, it's like the, all in one, back to back. Here, listen. The bi- one of the listen. biggest moments of the year, in my opinion, is September third because of the Venus Venus stationing forward. After the journey uh, Venus has been on since the beginning of June in Leo, everything that's happened, we're not done with the story. But there is a moment here where, and at this point, even before that, started to be visible in the sky as morning star Venus is, yeah. um, you know, it, it, you know, going to maximum elongation that way down the line. But it's like, and I know you did a really good podcast with Gray about, about Venus. Yes, we talk all this. about that. With yeah, that. yeah. I talk about that for those. And then I have to plug something else of yours, by the way, in here in a second. Gemini is going to sell you. It's going to sell something amazing about you. Get your Mercury. Yeah, I'm going to, you know. I know you got some Leo in your chart, so this is really good. So um, (laughs) anyway, so so (laughs) September 3rd, we have this Venus station, an incredible moment of the year. And it's um, my favorite transit of the year, this Venus and Leo story. Um, This sense now uh, of of an interesting adventure that's going to happen to the beginning of October when Venus finally leaves Leo, where a lot of implement implementation gets to occur for all the lessons learned during the retrograde for Venus and Leo. There's going to be reconnections in general that are going to happen with, with Jupiter and with Uranus, with Chiron. So, you know, here's a big shifting moment. So I, I, I'm, I'm into this. Definitely going to be noting it in my own personal life. I think, I don't know if this is a holiday weekend in the United States. It is. It's, it's Labor it Day the next Labor day. day weekend. Which is the next day when you get into, I think at 3.28 a.m., we have a retrograde Mercury in Virgo trining Jupiter. Uh, um, and so, uh, which is at an interesting phase. 
And then uh, do I get into the next thing that happens later in the morning, which I think you will here in a second, but I, I just feel it's just, I don't, I, I don't want to fully try to define these 24 hours, but I know it's a, it's a, a door opening for Venus and Leo. That is for sure. So that, that she's walking through. She's emerging. She is emerging, a fresh, reborn in her, her solar, her solar self. You know, she had a moment, she had a moment when the sun met Saturn, right? Because she's still ruled by the sun the whole time. So everything that we talked about with the whole sun Saturn piece, you can kind of take that into the whole Venus part too. Venus, Venus be sweating. She's working. Um, But... Definitely feel that story right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, so here we have, you know, the this this because the sun is getting ever closer to the Mercury conjunction. There's a sun moon trine. There's the you know the sun's getting close to its trine with Jupiter. So there's all these sort of this is that kind of pinpoint moment where the planetary stations are always huge you know, right? Especially when the moon lights it up and we got a Venus ruled moon, but this story is not necessarily ending. We got all this sort of lead up that is taking us um, somewhere, especially with the sun and and Mercury. And so the pivot point of these stations is exciting. And so, you know, yeah, exciting. And a reminder from, from a reminder from my end to stay mutable out there, people to take that upon because we have a push pull moment here. We have Venus starting to move forward, not not fast yet, but wanting no. to, starting to. And then you have, you know, that happens at 7 10 in the morning that day on the on the fourth, we have Jupiter stationing retrograde, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's again, it's another one of these moments where it's push pull feeling, uh, uh, things are in flux, right? And, and to understand that, that they'll play themselves out and they'll eventually move in the directions they need to, but there's a stop and start moment happening at the same time uh, in several ways here. So, yeah, yep. and both of the benefics too, you know, See? there's, yep. so these are our, these are our expanding planets, our givers of good luck, our, uh, our, our ease planets, I guess you could say. I mean, you can still get wonderful things out of Mars and Saturn, uh, despite their reputation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. And, and yeah. To, yeah, to reiterate what you mentioned earlier, Mel, very Venusy, really in the end here from yeah. the third to the fourth because of the moon being in Taurus, uh, Jupiter in Taurus ruled by Venus stations retrograde. The moon touches those points. The moon makes it, it connects and actually squares with that Venus. The moon in Taurus does. And then moves through the stationing Jupiter, all Venusy right there in a lot of ways and push pull. So um, I, 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 again, I, uh, I think Venus is ready and it's coming out, but I don't think it's, it's quite not there yet. It walks through the door, but it's not bursting out like a Venus and Leo would really want to Yeah, with, with the full orchestra in the orchestra pit, makeup crew in the back. <laughs> Full wardrobe, new wardrobe that they acquired during yeah. the Venus and retrograde cycle. A new song that was written for them. Uh, but they still need that rehearse. Uh, there needs to be a rehearsal that needs to happen. There's still this thing, but there's a test. There's there's like, do I walk up on stage? I want to walk up on stage now. Like, we're not ready yet. We're, we, 
We still got to dial in. We got to rehearse. We got, but it's, let's, is it a dress rehearsal? Maybe it's a dress rehearsal. Well, I don't know. Well, I hope not because that is our, the day that we do our launch for the tarot. Ah, oh, oh, great segue, Mel. Yeah. That is the thing I wanted to promo you because for those watching, she pulled up a tarot card earlier on the video here. And, and I was like, there it is. Uh, you got you got the big chart up on the screen, but there's a there's, you are launching a deck. I've already seen samples of it, Mal. It looks incredible. Uh, and so you said this is the weekend that you are. This going is to- the the time. Uh, actually, uh, Gray helped me elect it. We we mm-hmm. tried to look within our 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 you know because we had a short window because that's sometimes with elections you got a short window you know when you're trying to do something. And you got to go with the best thing. And we just found... So Venus, she is, from my personal uh, chart, Venus is actually stationing uh, direct exactly on my Jupiter. Um, and Jupiter is stationing exactly on my part of fortune. Um, so it's... And the, the deck is called Tarot of Her. You know, it is her, <laughs> essentially. And I think I laughed when you said in the writing and she's got a new song and we're making a Kickstarter video right now. And my friend out of nowhere, who is a Taurus moon, messaged me and was like, he's like, I'd like to make a song for your project if you need one. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, but I didn't so know that people, people listening, I didn't know that what she's yeah. saying to me right now. So, uh, so literally she, she'll have a new song. <laughs> Um, and we're, you know, we're just going to kind of hope for, for the best there. Kickstarter is always a, uh, a risk. Um, but we're hoping that the work speaks for itself. It's going to be great. You're going to do great. Multiple appearances on stage here starting on the weekend of this launch for you. You got to keep going. That's what's the funny thing about a Kickstarter is you don't just go on stage once. You're there no. until the Kickstarter. You know, exactly. this, and I could totally see why you elected the time with Gray. I hear Gray's voice right now, by the way. <laughs> I, I Just the way he talks. I hear Gray's voice. So um, what you're doing, I totally get why you're doing it when when the timing of it. And, and, and I think here too, if we bring in what's happened with Venus here, there, there's been so much internalization in a sense one uh, uh, Venus has looked in the mirror and really have had some moments some tough ones honestly Uranus has cracked open Venus during this retrograde cycle Jupiter was involved Chiron helps Venus go through the sun that happened here on the 13th of August so Venus is going to touch upon these planets, Jupiter and Chiron and, and Uranus again, and really get to implement something, really uh, uh, show the lessons learned and, and the new uh, uh, vision for what they harmoniously want and what, for they, what one desires. And they really get to set it into play. And so here is the beginning chapter of setting that into play. So to bring it to your own personal world, Mel, it's not only this weekend, but it's these next three or four weeks after that. Exactly. For me, it's 29 days. I actually am yep. uh, ending the Kickstarter right on the uh, with the grand trine with the moon back in Taurus, making a grand trine to Pluto and Mercury, right when Mercury oh. trines Pluto. So that's kind of like what I elected for the end. Yes. Um, you got Pluto's in there. Yes. Yeah. Pluto's like, come on, bring it on home, girl. You know, it's... 
there's no choice to Pluto. It's like, there's no choice. It's, it's all or nothing to the death. Exactly. It's, gonna, it's now or do never. It. Are you going to yeah. support or not? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Remember when you do some social media posts on this, Mel, later mm-hmm. on that you use that. I tell you, you're going to do this or not? <laughs> oh, well, I am a Plutonian person. That's for sure. My, yeah. So that's funny. So this is okay to reiterate that yes as we have said this is a busy big turnaround time. So this really brings us to our next um stop on the wheel and that is the uh last quarter in Gemini. Wait. Oh are you going wait, wait, are you going to September 6 by chance? Uh I think I am. Oh you me okay. curious. Uh, am My I? Gemini brain I looked is at jumping. it real quick. I did. I am. You are. You just I am. Died. I'm right there. Uh, yes. so last <laughs> quarter, <laughs> last quarter in Gemini. So we got 14 degrees of Gemini. Um, and really, so I'm, I'm jumping to the last quarter, but obviously if you're looking at the screen, you see that Mercury here. Um, has just made its inferior conjunction with the sun. Um, so that's a whole thing in itself. Um, that happens on September 6th, earlier in the day. Actually, let me back it up to that. Yeah, 409 a.m. It's the midpoint um, during the Mercury retrograde cycle. The the I the point in the re- Mercury retros, re- retrograde cycle I always love. When Mercury goes into the sun, uh, I, I, I'm not going to tell people what to do, but a lot sometimes people take advantage of this moment to do certain things that weren't flowing or during Mercury's uh, transit through Virgo. Like sometimes people use this as a purification moment. Mm. They send that email that they wasn't working out. Piece of something in the Virgo or Mercury and Virgo puzzle system story of reevaluation. There's some connectiveness to the sun here. A moment in the midpoint of all this. It is, I love this point of Mercury retrograde cycles. Um, I, I don't think it gets enough hype. Oh, well, so. it's the new, it's the new moon of Mercury, basically. Yep. It's that, and we all get excited about new moons, right? Because new doors are opening. We're discovering new things. What's this next story going to look like? Well, this is that door opening, essentially, with Mercury here. And to have it happen on a last quarter moon in Gemini, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Mercury's ruling the, ruling the last quarter. Um, it's almost like, it's interesting. It's because it, it's almost like we get a hit from the heart of the sun, we get that illumination, we get that connection. And, and when Mercury starts to get in its new moon phase and go forward, it, it, even though it's combust for a little while longer, but it's starting to gather. It's gathering information. It's, it's excited about new things or what can I learn here or looking to the future and its possibilities, right? It's, it's Mercury as the gatherer rather than Mercury as the you know review, reviewer or the going back over what's been. Um, and... Being in this mercurial, uh, inquisitive last quarter turn of uh, events, we might need that that focus and yeah. that concentration and having to go back to you know the the details and and piecing things out because that's essentially what Mercury does, right? It separates, it's collecting and separating. It's like you know, uh, that why it could be divisive sometimes because that's, that's the nature of Mercury. You think about the devil's advocate. <laughs> you think about the person that walks in the room and says, the Bulbo, look at this side. 
or pieces this apart and you haven't looked at this like this, right? Um, so there might be some of that going on per yeah, se. I, you know, I if Virgo is looking, <laughs> if Virgo is looking for the pure moments, you get it right here. Yeah. I think it would be a great time for someone to clean their house. <laughs> you know, earlier in the beginning of this podcast, we we're talking about how Virgo likes to clean things up and bring order to things. I, I have to say, my experience over the years in astrologer, it's, it's getting to be a long time now. Can I actually say that now? I'm getting older. I get where I actually have some wisdom with this. But, you know, I've seen major Virgo people where they're like at work, they everything is in order. They bring that. You go to their house, it's not in order. Yeah. Or it's the other way around. Or there's this just this balance, this thing that happens where there's all this work and perfection and effort put in certain parts of life and, and the seeking of that and it's there, but there's other parts where it isn't. Where it isn't is where I'm saying to go clean at this moment. Is if, if I if I think of Merc this Mercury story in Virgo, you get to have that. And through ritual, because that's a ritual, that pureness, that purity, that 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 sharpness of mind here with Mercury mm. going into the sun can be, it's an example. I'm just giving an example. I'm not going to tell you to go clean the bathroom, but it could be, you know, it, it, it's like, but it's something, it's something in your world that is like, wasn't feeling there or quite there because of the Mercury retrograde Virgo that wasn't running on all cylinders. The system wasn't right. The a de few details were possibly missing. It's driving it wild. You know, here we get a, a moment of something where at least there's the insight to that. The, oh, that here, I, I could see what needs to be tuned up. It's not going to happen immediately, right? But for me, I think it's a good washing your dishes moment. <laughs> I, I love washing dishes. I hate dishwashers. So th that's one way I'm looking at this is, is to use it, not to, to have the clarity in one's mind to gain the insight here, but sometimes to find an example in a very subtle, chill way. Wash the dishes, da da da. I'm gonna go put my hands in the dirt outside, you know, mess with the garden, right? We want. I, I shouldn't. I, I'm gonna say this, and people can do their own research. But series, you know, series Demeter, Demeter, it's kind of in one way part of the Virgo story, because in one way we have a building up and looking with within, and a harvesting of oneself. We didn't talk about this here. It's just another way of talking about stuff. But it's like in one way here, when we look at a, a Mercury-Sun conjunction like this, there is something to be harvested in the mind. There's some pure thing to be harvested that I think could be put into play down the line, especially after Mercury moves forward and starts to go over the space and time that it does during the retrograde. But there's some pureness here. There's, there's a piece of gold right here. Uh, and that is my... I just hopefully sold that to everybody. I'm I am uh, I am intrigued a little bit that you bring this up only because look at Ceres on the south node leading up <laughs> leading oh. up to this uh this oh, yeah. conjunction. Yeah, thank you so for putting that up. So it's interesting thinking about her being in such a a prime zone <laughs> in the zodiac <laughs> right now. Yeah, we're getting ready you know, to that, do the, the Pluto square and all that. Yeah, it's, it's she it's, has that relationship with Pluto, right? Series and does. Pluto. And then there's the whole uh, Persephone myth part of the Virgo story that gets incorporated, right? We yeah. have the changing of the seasons. Persephone's about to go back down in the underworld for a while, right? 
again, part of this, this transitional process and alchemical process and stuff, it's all really mercurial. And, and I think because of it, in a moment like this, that you look for the, 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 the clear message, Mercury in Virgo, the clear piece of the, of, of the system. Virgo, you know, and, and you go there and you, one can do it through a Persephone myth story to the series way of looking at it. Uh, uh, I think I'm not doing the series uh, story justice here, but because we're going here, but it's just something yeah. that popped up. Something that <laughs> no, that, up. and that could be something to investigate further if uh, yeah. series has piqued your interest here, especially it being on the South Node right now um, and actually in that hot spot that. Uh, Nicholas alluded to earlier in the podcast when we talk about mm-hmm. by the time Mars gets here and we're going to have an eclipse that's near this zone. So maybe, you know, Mars and Libra is giving us the giving us the Libra story, but perhaps Ceres is too, because she's the one that's been here longer and is in the meat of it too. So even thinking about just that archetype being in this key position as we have this Kazemi moment, as we have last quarter and we're um, yeah. So anyways, I think that, I think you divinely, divine timing to that, uh, divine, <laughs> to your intuition. divine timing. That is definitely Mercury's son, by the way. Just yeah. To, so, so Wednesday, September 6th, it's got, it's got that turning point energy. I am for the, here's the thing. This is the last thing I'll say about this before we move on to speak to your point about that. I think this is a good time to clear up because manifestation, Rachel Ling was talking about this. And when I saw her speak at SDAS, uh, this past Friday is, you know, you, you clear space, clear mind. It's like the idea that it's, it's hard to manifest what you want in life when you're not happy in your space, when you don't feel home, when you have all this stuff that doesn't suit you or isn't fitted around you or isn't. So if they're, back to that discernment and that paring down and that weeding out. Um, this is a wonderful time to like clear the space energetically, whether it's actually physical things, whether it's emotional, because clearing clutter is not just physical. It can be emotional. It can be mental, et cetera. Um, to have that clarity, to have that, uh, peace of mind to help you manifest, um, with just a more direct intention, right? Because Mercury is essentially the magician. That's what Mercury is. So, and that is the manifestation point. So I'm backing this idea of clearing out in whatever form that looks like for you, because it clears the headspace, which is crucial to actually manifesting what it is you desire. I just had the image of I don't know why I, taking a bath or you go somewhere, you know, when they scrub your skin down, oh, they yeah. use like salts, you know, oh, and that's that nice. feeling, yeah, that feeling they scrub your skin down your whole body and like what happens and like exfoliating, exfoliating and like you shed some tears, like it goes out, but you don't realize some of the stuff you were carrying and, but it's not just in your head and your heart. It's like in your body, like your body's like purifying itself like in your your skin's an organ it's a purificate you know it's wants to sweat out and like you get rid of the skin you know all that stuff and you come out and you come out like like not just clean but like feels pure like back to yourself you know uh yeah so i don't know that just reborn refresh i saw that imagery come up so so well, maybe that that's better than, maybe that's better than washing dishes or cleaning your bathroom is actually 
doing ma- major exfoliation. Yeah, major exfoliation. Get some <laughs> body work. <laughs> yeah. Do it yourself, you know. <laughs> well, that's essentially what any planet that goes in the sun. That's a rebirth moment. Yep. That is an ex- it's getting exfoliated by the sun. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Well, let us move uh, on here um, just to talk about sort of following uh, Mercury's footsteps, because uh, that's essentially what the sun is going to do here is that it is going to, um, it's going to trine. Jupiter, right? So we get our Sun Jupiter trine moment uh, on the 8th, September 8th, on Friday, on Venus's day. Um, and it really just, le- it's sort of, it's interesting because it's sort of the last move before we get to the, the new moon, I think, on the 14th. So Let's keep that sun Jupiter in our in our mind, but let's just jump to the new moon mm-hmm. just to look at what's going on here. Yeah. So let's think about that just as so we're gonna jump to the new moon for sake of time. Um, but let us think about the fact that in these waning cycle like lunar cycle, we get this sun trying Jupiter moment. After Mercury's already been there, they Mercury and the Sun have exchanged. And now we get we get our Jupiter hit, and then we go into this new moon in Virgo on September 14th, Thursday, which is going to be trying Uranus. So Uranus is coming back into the story. So any thoughts on how just that that moment with Jupiter might play into the seeding of what's coming with the the new moon? Yeah, I well, you know, Jupiter and Uranus are involved here. Uh to back up a point we made earlier. On the last new moon that happened, August 16th, Uranus was involved. Yeah. Right. And here, uh, uh, Uranus is involved in a different kind of way because of a trine. And and um, I always feel that what is unexpected or something that you've never seen before that brings benefit, that's what I feel here is happening um, I, with this new moon. Um, I like the organicness of it all because it's a lot of Earth energy, you know, with this Jupiter and Uranus being there. I, I think that um, a lot of times when we talk about something new or aspirations, Jupiter and Uranus, right? A lot of time we talk about that, it's like all in our head, right? It seems that way. But here, I think it, it's one of these places where it's not in your, just in our head, it's in our body. And and mm. that it's tangible. It's it's really there in our hands to use and, and to implement and, and to bring in the tools that have been around and to work those tools, to sweat with those tools, that to get the satisfaction that that to, to uh, uh, the goal, the quest that Jupiter brings, the the new vision, the, the, the something that you would have never thought of that Uranus brings, and. I also think that Mars in Virgo for the months before did a lot of the work here. Mm. It did a lot of the work when Mars was in, in, in Virgo aspecting all those planets we mentioned earlier, even before, you know, different forecasts even before. But here we have like almost a culmination. I feel that here it's a lot of what we worked for in the Virgo part of our chart 
we actually see some results here. It's not completely finished, but you have Jupiter and Uranus here bringing up some backup. Even though they're both retrograde, I don't, I don't, I feel that it's backup in general. And I feel that it fulfills much of what's happened in the Virgo story the last couple of months. So that, that is kind of what I feel. I, most importantly, it's tangible. It's in your hands. And your body. But in your body. Not just in your head, but it moves through there. And we want to do this with earth signs or anything that's an earth sign. So um, is it a seed moment? Yes, because it's new moon. Um, I always like to point out, by the way, and, and I'll be done here, that you know, new moons happen and we have these like wishes or the implementations, but it isn't until a couple days later, visually in the sky that we actually start to see the sliver of the moon yeah. start to happen. So I like to point that out. And I've been trying to remind myself of this too, as when systems and efficiency, we're talking Virgo of implementa implement uh, implementation of something new on a new moon here, that in a sense, yes, there is that. And, and it's a continuing story for Virgo, but it's cool because when you see the moon in the sky a couple days later, yeah, it might not be officially new moon anymore, but in old school ways, that's when things actually started to get implemented during yeah. a new moon phase, right? You're getting the light. Yep. You get that. You start to see it. It's right there. It's tangible. It, it's dark. New moon's dark, dark. You don't see it. I, I wanted to bring that case up because of just bringing in things that are in your senses, in your hands, and that you can see, right? So really, it's this particular time in the next couple of days that I'm like, I'm personally telling myself, oh, it's new moon, not just this day, this moment, but the next couple of days until I see the, the sliver in the sky, you know. I'm, um, I'm right there with you. You gotta, yeah. you gotta wait for that the that light to be backed for. I mean, for the moon to be even out of the because that's the whole idea is it has to get past the combustion of the sun for it to start to grow the cycle, and that's when we see it, right? Because yeah. it is out of it's visible once again, and then we say, oh, it's so lovely when it's just that crescent and it's low in the sky, and you just see it, especially right after the sun sets. And it's just right there on the Western horizon. Just so beautiful. Dang, um, I, I like the way you're explaining these things. I, <laughs> damn, I'm just like, let's, no, let's bring it on. Let's, I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. And it'll pop up on you. You don't really quite, you know, you might just catch it. But when you catch it, it's like a Cheshire cat smiling at you. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, you're like, hmm. What about you, Mel? So, I mean, what, what do you think about this? I, I'm curious. Well, there's a, a couple things. I love all what you're saying. And as far as bridging this Uranus story, the Jupiter story, the tangible aspect of this, right? If there's anything, this is like earth manifestation here. Like this is big, but there's a lot about the inside story here, right? Because we talked about like the internal journey. Mercury is still retrograde. It's about to go direct the next day, but it is stationing and it's still retrograde. It baked into the, the new moon. We also, like I was talking about before, when we were talking about Saturn and, and Neptune and the bridging of the gap of that story, here we have this other piece with this new moon that's bridging the gap of the Jupiter-Uranus story because this is our next conjunction in August of 2024. So there's something to be said about here with this 
lead up to the new moon and this new moon activating this point. It's not squaring these energies anymore. They're not moving direct, so they're more internalized, right? So even though we're going to see these tangible results and there is this manifestation power, a lot of the the wisdom and in, in the growth and the expansion as, as people and the breakthroughs we're having internally and how we're changing, there's going to be more of an internalized component with that Taurus area of the chart that we can tap into that not everybody's going to see that growth. Not everybody's going to see that change. Um, but the world is going to be shifting because that's just the nature of Virgo. Like that, we talked about how much about that. Um, but then same with Mercury still being a station. Uh, and also why you, what you just said about kind of wait for it for the crescent because Mercury is going to go direct. Yeah. So there yeah, is that, a reveal-ish. <laughs> there is. And I... I I, again, in the reveal-ish thing that you're talking about just has such a Uranian signature uh, uh, to it. And it's just, again, been such a major player in a lot of just transits and storylines for the last couple of months for Leo and Virgo. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not the expert on this, but we know many ancient cultures and stuff. But a lot of times when they're having certain holidays or events and things, they're timing things with, with the lunar cycle. But a lot of times even it's new moon, they're timing it when something's actually starts to be visual in the sky. And in this case here with Mercury stationing a direct here, Oh, you, Oh, Mel, you're so you're just on, on it. it, just on it. So, um, <laughs> that, that you have it, you, you know, here that it, the moon's there, even though the moon here is in Libra here, we're going to start to see it in the sky. And, and, and we have this station that happens and then we get to start to transverse through all the degrees, the shadow degrees, as they call them. And uh, I think Mercury and Virgo is super psyched here. Really happy. Yeah. It's like, oh, all right. I've done yeah. the work. <laughs> and it's had some, yeah, done the work. It's had some Uranian influence. So that means it's it's come back with a, some stuff, some new tools in the, in the bag of tricks, uh, yeah. uh, uh, mercurial tricks or stuff. At the same time, the tools that Virgo needs to to be efficient, to be organized, because that's what really this retrograde was about. Is some of the probably tools and that want to bring order to uh, uh, the things that deal with routines and repetition that Mercury and Virgo does is usually good at. Some of those things need to be revamped, reviewed, and eventually reclaimed. I think some of the reclaiming probably has to do with reclaiming new tools that it brought because of the Uranian influence. So here, you know, you have this, like, it's ready to go. Mercury, Mercury and Virgo is like, um, what you're <laughs> saying. So yeah. I'm piggybacking because what you're saying is very important, right? We, we got to go back and remember what we said when Mercury stationed retrograde is it repeated the Taurus sort of movement where it didn't meet Uranus. It just almost, but it didn't quite do that. But here, and it's not to Uranus quite yet, but it is in a way because it is stationing direct and ruling the sun in Virgo, who is exactly trining Uranus. Mm -hmm. So we're getting our Uranian moment with this direct station uh, through the sun, which is actually very valuable, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't you want to have illumination and and like and like that that solid key piece of uh, of, of light? come in versus just maybe the perception or the, the, the word of it. Like this is maybe the truth of it. This is the clarity. This is the, um, sort of that breakthrough moment. That doesn't have to be really dramatic. Sometimes it's just like a little shift in perception or it's just a, yeah. uh, yeah, it's it, but it feels like it's the, it's bridging the gap 
to the piece that was missed. And we don't have to wait. I mean, we're going to have Mercury get to Uranus eventually, but we don't have to wait for sort of that like aha moment or that just kind of turnaround because the sun is going to bridge the gap um, for Mercury there. That makes sense. Yep. No, I I fully, I'm so glad you pointed out because it's dispositorship. We're always talking about astrology. We want to see how things are ruled. Like, you know, there's the sun in Virgo, so on and so forth, what's ruling. I, I, I actually, I didn't think too hard on this particular day when I was looking at it, but after you and I conversing here, I really like it. I know. I really, I really well, like it. Yeah. Because what? We go forward another day. We got a Libra moon and we're back to a, a Venus moon, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to cross over Mars. Look at it right on Mars. So here we get another Mars and Libra hit. And what's all Venus doing? You know, she's emerged. She's, she's direct now. And she's squaring, making her third square with Jupiter on Saturday, September the 16th. Um, so that's a fascinating kind of as the crescent moon, you know, waxes forward and we're having all these uh, sort of shifts. This is a, this is a really highlighted period, uh, Friday and Saturday, the 15th and 16th getting off this new moon. Cause we got this last, uh, you know, if anything, it looks kind of fun. Um, as far as like maybe being out and about and enjoying the good things in life and socializing, there could be a lot of energy there. Um, if there's relationship conflicts of any sort, if you know, you're trying to grow in a union, this can definitely kick some things up, right? Because there's going to be the, uh, tension from that Jupiter and then the Mars component. So huge. Yeah. (laughs) Huge. I, I think here, the third hit Jupiter Venus square, um, again, we want to work with squares. They get yeah. set off at a 90 degree angle. There's a challenge that happens because something needs to change. There's already been two of these that have happened. Here, in a sense, if one is on the uh, level of evolution and understanding, learning, and moving forward, here, I think Venus and Jupiter can work together finally in a certain type of way, especially because she's emerged out. She's newly reborn. I actually think this is a huge weekend for you personally, Mel, because of what we were talking about with your launch. Is that when we go back to the, the beginning of the month on the third and stuff when Venus Station Direct, here we are, the chapters, because we got a couple other chapters that are going to happen down the line here with Chiron's going to be next and then Uranus with Venus to get to implement things here, what they learned during the retrograde and fulfill certain things. So not to make squares like it's a horrible aspect. It could they start difficult, but when you have three chances, you have You're a third activating. chance. You're activating and, and you learn. You learn. A lot of times with client work, you'll see charts. I'll see charts. Somebody's got a bunch of squares in their chart and stuff. And initially people are learning astrology like, oh my gosh, that's whole, you know, that's squares or whatever. And like, yeah, that means they had to learn quick, really off the bat. Do they do they still live their squares in their chart? Yes, but they're launching pads. Eventually, you learn squares bring change. They they bring an evolution happening there, so people learn faster than someone who possibly was born with trines in their chart, where they get really lazy. They're not yeah. they're not particularly forced to deal like when you're forced with a square. So here to bring that kind of way of thinking about it into like so many months here with Venus retrograde, she learned. And she learned a bunch. And not only that, she's ready to show this new self. And Uranus, I think, here is like completely bringing that electrical energy. And they figured it out. They figured out their relationship with each other. Venus realizes, hey, you weren't raining on my parade or you cracked me open a couple of times. 
you know, before you need to bring something new or whatever I thought my desires were going to be, whatever I thought the way I was supposed to go out with my, with, uh, to go find my desires, what my passion is. I actually didn't quite know, or I had to let go of things. Uranus comes in to show actually there's another way possibly, or so on and so forth. And here, the other way is actually shown in action, possibly. I'm just saying that for those listening here that that in the longer story, we want to implement things. We we are looking and forecasting at things and, and we're not only doing that, we have to learn along the way. And then when we see something like here, we're looking ahead, we use it to our advantage, especially if you've been tied into the story, right? So yeah. it's not like, oh, I'm gonna get, you're gonna get knocked off your pedestal again by a lightning bolt. No, it's like, no, what did you pick up and learn? Now you do it. And that's where it not only becomes embodied, but it's it's like Venus and, e, Venus and Leo in the end wants to feel the rush. Like it, it wants, to, it's a fire sign. It, it's moving through it. It's in, inherently, it's passionate wherever it is. So you got this electric bolt for the third time happening. You ride it for everything that it's worth. You know, you go all in. That's my suggestion. <laughs> so I hope at that point your Kickstarter is this kaboom. I hope so. Well, here's here's to hoping. Yes. And that's all that's all you can do, right? That's yes. the that's all you can do. Thanks for letting me so, go on that. Rant. I love that. Yeah. I you know what? I'm 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 about it. I'm all about it. Um so actually that brings us to pretty much the end of Virgo season with one last, well, last ish solar um situation happening uh and that is the sun making its opposition to neptune its yearly opposition to neptune when neptune is the closest to us right and then a trine to pluto um pretty much the well 20 so basically the 20 uh, 19th through the 21st um, that Tuesday through Thursday, we have our our solar Neptune to our solar our our, our hard Neptune to our dare I say easy Pluto? <laughs> Is that ever a case? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll take this Pluto sunshine. We'll take it. I know we'll take yeah. it. I mean, Mars handed it to us. And now the sun yep. comes around and really like illuminates that. Um, so an interesting way to end the season, right? We've got a. Um, a Scorpio moon taking place, kind of leading us there. And then a little Sag action when the actual Pluto part happened. So I do imagine maybe the Neptune piece to, especially with that Scorpio moon opposing Jupiter here can be a little, um, you know, a little water, a little watery, a little, uh, intense, a little booty, maybe a little little intense. Might be remembering some stuff in the past that you forgot. Some Scorpionic person in your life is going to remind you of something you did 20 years ago. (laughs) I, yeah. <laughs> that's like me let. all the time being a Scorpio yeah. rising. I'm constantly yeah, just, reminding myself of <laughs> <laughs> just can never let it go. <laughs> just like, <laughs> oh, uh, but we're oh, letting go, right? That's one of the things we said about this season. Maybe this is the perfect time. This is like, maybe, you know, sometimes it's just a chill, like reality. Neptune can come around and all of a sudden we're like, oh God, I, I don't, I don't have it in me. I, I need, I just need a break or I'm yeah. not, I'm not as focused as I've been this whole time with this Virgo. And you're like, when do I get a, when do I get a chill? Can I just daydream? Can I just Netflix and binge for a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I like where you're going with this, because if we go back to what we talked about earlier, when we talked in this podcast video and 
when we talked about the, the lunation that happened with Saturn and the moon and Pisces, right? And then what yeah. I talked, we talked about what happens later in the day where the moon moves away from Saturn into Neptune, right? And then we, we talked about earlier where we had a Saturn sun opposition at the very beginning, at the very beginning of the Virgo transit. Now here we're like ending with Neptune on the other side of the sun. And maybe yeah. it is what you just said, actually, Mel. It got to chill out, actually. At Netflix, whatever. Just I'm, give I, it a second. Maybe just a do second. a hobby, something you like, you creative energy that can just get you out of like all the other stuff. Because yeah. Pluto come around and you're going to be back in the game. Like that, like you'll be, there's the great productivity, I think that can come with the sun and Pluto meeting up. Um, especially at the end of a uh, end of signs, you know, if you got something yeah. to push home or like something you've been working on a long time or, and, and maybe actually sometimes maybe you need to be confronted with the more spiritual view or the, the creative energy that allows you then to then push it home in a more practical, productive way. Cause you know, sometimes we need the vision in order to be able to do the work. So there's, there's, there's all these possible combinations of, yeah. of this. You know, before I'm about to say something about the Neptune sun, but I want to say something earlier because we were joking about Scorpio moon and it's opposite here at 15 degrees. It's the chart that you have up here. Yeah, You know, this 15 degree fixed place is a big one because it's been in, in such a play the last year and a half and stuff. But there was a major eclipse that happened at this point in the, in the Taurus Scorpio stuff, for those who have fixed signs, fixed angles in these mid-degree points, you have another situation here where you know Jupiter going retrograde at 15 degrees. The moon and Scorpio here is triggering it. This goes back to a longer story with the eclipses for those specifically that were affected by the Scorpio Taurus stuff. At mid-degrees fixed, anything you have there, there's a continuation going on here. So I just I just want to say that. Do I love and praise my Scorpio energies? Every, a lot of people know this about me. I love Scorpio energy. I, I they, they walk to me. That's the amazing thing is, Mel. They walk towards me. Usually people are walking towards Scorpio. Scorpio is going to discern like, who the hell are you? I don't know if I don't trust you. I pick you. I'm vetting you. You come into my private world. It's funny with me. They walk towards me. So I have this interesting viewpoint on it all. And I appreciate the energy. So I don't want to bag on a Scorpio moon being suspicious because they can't forget something from 20 years ago. It's still true. <laughs> but the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it has to do with moving on and letting go sometimes of what is held, especially in mid-degree fixed points. Like I yeah. said earlier, when we were talking about the stubbornness or whatever, we were talking about you had a word and I, we incorporated oh, concentrated, two, concentrated stubbornness that, you know, here we want to let go in a different way. And I'm saying especially for fixed angles, fixed signs. OK, at these degrees. Now, saying that to go back to Neptune's sun, I think here after this whole podcast, after everything Virgo has been through with the retrograde, the Mars cycle in, in Virgo before the numerous aspects that happened, the lunations. The, the Mercury retrograde story, the Kazemi coming out, all these things that here comes Neptune at the very end. I think yeah. to go back to what you said earlier, Mel, by, oh, relax, we're going to Netflix and chill, all that. It's basically letting go yeah. I, I, to me. If, if I were to sum it up, it's like all, and I know Mercury's moved forward in Virgo. It's been doing all this work and just now is on a roll per se. Mercury's speeding up, but we have to accept 
Virgos out there, accept this Neptunian moment because we, in the end, you only can do so much in a certain amount of time. You can only go over the details so many times. You could drive yourself mad doing that kind of stuff. Even when you're on point, still your body can only do so much. Your nervous system, the antenna that it is for you, Virgos, can only do so much. That again, we bring in the Piscean story here to help us relax, let go, and get to a place again that I said earlier, that the imperfect, it's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> you know, and, and that and that we cherish a Neptunian moment like this. So it might seem for some that it can get in your way and mute what you've been doing, throw a haze on this uh, detailed role coming out of the retrograde. But there's a reason why it's coming in. And if you can accept it in a way of like the letting go part, and at least, like you said, Mel, taking a moment to just chill. And how we're what? What is chill for a Virgo? By the way, man, what's a how does a Virgo chill? That is a great question. And on September nineteenth, they're gonna find out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So whatever it is for that was find your version of chill. It doesn't mean there needs to be an outcome, by the way, and that there needs to be the goal needs to be fulfilled. Or wait a second, before I chill, I need to finish this. Right, it's your, let's say you're in a partnership. Well, before I get to, I, I just need to finish this. Like, no, you said that ten minutes ago. No, I need to just give me a second, then I'll chill. Sometimes that little way of being, sometimes it could be very Virgo. Is that's the thing to let go of, right? Yeah. So, uh, just some examples, like you said, of how things could be. You know, some thoughts about that, Mel. So, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm for that, right? Yeah. Just this one more thing, just this thing, just yeah. this thing, and it's like. And all it's of a not right yet. It's not right. I, I just, but, it's not right yet. I got to tweak it just a little bit more. I got to do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, we're, th- you know what, Virgo energy, that's what we love about them because of that. They, when they do get dialed in, that service and work oriented part, man, dude, when they dial it in, we are so grateful for that energy. But it's like, there's always a task, task to find and do. You know, there's always going to be something, especially in this day and age, never we're just ends. Bomb- bombarded with like, what time means, especially in Western civilization and culture, we're supposed to constantly be doing something with every piece of time. So this goes out more to everybody, really. It's yeah, like you don't have well, to be a Virgo to take this no, advice. <laughs> it's, no, it's like, where is it in your life where you bring in, you know, where you let that dissolve, right? You, you, you let that fall, fall. Yeah. Off your, off your shoulders, or especially out of your, off your mind. I have to watch this again because I'm I I I'm really you, talking you I'm really talking to, I'm really talking to myself Mel so oh uh, I feel it oh god I've been working nonstop oh, yeah I I need this Nick can we fast forward this Neptune moment into the <laughs> no it, we're gonna it's fast forward timing, Mel right? we're gonna fast forward not just us here talking for those listening and watching we're gonna fast forward to when the Kickstarter hits its goal and <laughs> the celebration for all the hard work. That you and I, yeah, there's a cohort involved in this, correct? Yes, my yes. the wonderful artist Sarah Jane Lambert. She is amazing. My long term friend of 18 years. You know, we've been it's, it's been so much fun to work with her. It's it's so amazing. Uh, it's it's great. I'll show you the um, actually for those who are curious of like the election to end something because usually you elect to start something, right? <laughs> well. 
<laughs> my, my Saturn and Virgo elected to end something. And so <laughs> where do I have uh, the moon? So here uh, is it? No, here we go. I got to go. For, here we go. Uh, let me fast forward a couple hours. So the it's going to end basically on October 2nd, around 6 something PM. I put in the date, but I'm forgetting right now, mm-hmm. but we have, oh yeah. So we have this grand trine going on between, um, the, uh, moon and Taurus, the, Mercury in Virgo and then Pluto in Capricorn. Because I was saying, like, this is the manifestation energy. This is that, you know, transactionary energy. It's like, mm-hmm. raise the, uh, you know, the moon will go over uh, Jupiter and Uranus, basically where this Kickstarter started with the, the moon um, trining Jupiter originally. And so as it was stationing. And so this is sort of the last hurrah. So yeah, you got Venus trining the nodes. Am I correct by saying that? Um, trining the North Node there. Yeah, yeah. Or and she's or is, about to or no, not, reach... not trining, not trining sextiling. Is, well, it, trining the North Node, trining sextiling North Node, the sextiling. South. Correct. Yes, she's flowing with the nodes. Yep, she's flowing. Um, the Moon squares her. It's basically Moon squares her, trines Mercury, and then trines Pluto. Um, and then, you know, Pluto loves to put the finishing stamp on everything, right? <laughs> oh, yes, it does. It totally does. I, Mel, I, I feel really good about what you're doing and what's happening here with you. You're t- let's be real. I know we're going on a personal note here, but you're taking a risk. It's always a risk to do things like this on many levels creatively. Yeah. You know, uh, um, so, but considering the transits and what we've talked about today too, and knowing some things about you, um, that's the rush of life. It is. I, I know you'll deal with the details like you do the Virgo stuff. At the same time, you're showing another part of yourself for, I don't know if we out you here, get major, you know, <laughs> your Scorpio rising. It means your, your top of your chart is your 10th house is where you stand on the stage, you know, you, what you're the authority on, your career, all that stuff. And you're you're living it. You truly are a practitioner. You're going for it during this time. So I, I think in that, in those sense, for those watching and listening of how we take in astrology in our lives, whether we're doing it ourselves or we get a reading, we look and we see and we do our best and then we, we use the information, you know? So... Uh, knowing you, Mel, and, and and where you stand on things and inherently your heart creatively, where you come from, I feel really good about what you're doing and the timing. Uh, so not that I, you needed my stamp of approval or no, anything. No, I, you know I, what? Leo will always take a little validation. Um, you're incredible. Like I needed you're it, incredible. <laughs> you're incredible. You look great, by the way, on this podcast today. I just, I just want to say, um, I love the way you laugh. Your brain, that's the most important thing with you. Like for me, is like the way your brain works and goes. I see it, all of it. So one of the key features before we get to our our last word um, here, one of the key features actually with the deck that makes it, you know, a little bit unique and the concepts that I came up with is that is based on the lunar phases. So it's round, right? So this this is going to be a whole different way of reading the tarot 
where we uh, basically read it in its form and they can have new moon. It can have, you know, this waxing energy. It could be the first quarter and get to the full. It can be this disseminating, this last quarter, you know, getting to the balsamic phase. So it can take these purities of the archetype itself, but show you the different stages of how they're, um, of the story. Right. Uh, so it's not quite upright or reversals or anything. There's going to be all this nuance, all this Virgo. It's going to be all this Virgo that gets yeah. played into these cards. Um, and so I'm excited to share that whole system with everyone. And it's going to, yeah. Yeah. No, be- I, I actually like what you just did because something circular, like if you had the card spread out on the table and you're on the opposite side of the room, Right. If you were looking at a traditional card, it's, you know, you if you, you use reversals in tarot, some people do, some people don't. But if you look at it's either one way or the other. Yeah. But if I was looking at the card spread and I then I caught a different way of looking at it, because when you were turning the card, the artwork's beautiful, by the way, oh, but it, it was so it was moving like it felt like the card, the artwork was moving. And yeah. I think it's I think it's cool, especially with tarot. Like there's what we learn people studying because I do a little bit of that, but it's like how messages coming through and insight comes through. That is really cool when you're removing the card uh, and it's relation to the phases. So, yeah, huh. it's fascinating how it comes together. I mean, it's in the relation to the phases and on the relationship to plant life. Cause that's essentially tarot of her is of mother nature. That's the her, but uh-huh. uh, the moon is also our great her too. She's a very strong yep. feminine figure. So there's uh, different layers of her going on here, yeah. uh, which come follow the Kickstarter and I'll tell you all about it. Um, so that being said, let's get to our, let's wrap up our Virgo season with our one, if you had one word to describe, what uh, what do you think this Virgo season is going to look like? One word. One word, uh, one word have, Mercury. I have, <laughs> I have two, but it's, it's something I've already oh. said. Well, that's okay. You can reiterate. And I'll give you two only because you're a Gemini. Let go. <laughs> like, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. That's the cancer. <laughs> Let go, Virgo. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go down the river. I just chill and do nothing. Come on. Let go of that. Let go. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, I can't help it. That's the one that came up. I thought about this too. I thought about, I had a, I, I was thinking about a word last night and I was like, kept coming back to this place, but I, not, it's two and it's let go. It's so simple and it's, you know, um, but it, in this case, uh, it fits. I mean, we do have a Pisces full moon that we talked about and bridging the yeah. gap of the Neptune. It yep. fits in a couple different, um, scenarios, right? You know, um, I have to say this, Mel. I have an affinity for the Virgo world and people in my life that have had the sun, their moon, a bunch of things like that. I've always had a deep connection. And I think a lot of times in the end, I mean, I'm saying let go, two words. But for those listening out there who have Virgos in their lives or someone's Virgo moon or they're connected, you're, on the, you're outside of them. Do something for them. You know, serve them. Uh, so serve them and I support them work on the details for them you know and in one way you are helping them let go because they'll get dialed in and they'll just serve and work and honestly they need to be praised for that and a lot of times they won't say anything you know but they secretly inside like they want to they want to hear it 
So it's like, you know, tell them, show them, be the Virgo for them, you know? And in that way, it actually could help them let go because they don't yeah. feel alone in the task, right? They don't feel alone. This goes back to what we talked about earlier of like, you know, Virgo's the, the step before Libra until you start integrating socially, right? Or in relationships, but you could do that right there. And I think a lot of times, I just know this from experience. I appreciate them so much in my life, in my personal life. I've had the energy come in and be just help me with things, things I would have never seen in my systems and working, you know, uh, and grateful. But I, I do know that reciprocation and yeah. basic con- uh, like confirming and acknowledgement of them means everything. It actually can even relieve pressure off of them uh, just because they can find themselves in an alone place with that kind of energy. So I just wanted to say that um, we love you, Virgos. I, we see what you do. We're so happy for your knowledge and wisdom. And um, yeah. So anyway, that's a, those are my two words. <laughs> Yeah, well, I love it. I love it. And yeah. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to break the, I'm going to break the rules too and have two worlds words too yeah. that are an antithesis to yours. But I think hmm. we're going to find that we need both. It's a mutable season, right? So mine are dial in. So dial in, which, hmm. you know, these areas of your life and these fine tuning that we're looking at, dial it in. But then be also be able to let it go, right? Because you can only dial so much in. Yeah. You can only do so much. You can only tweak so much. And then you have to let it go. Because that's the funny thing is, what do you do when you get writer's block? What do you do when you're just creatively blocked? Walk away. Go take a walk. Give it space. You let go of it. And then all of a sudden, it comes right back. The muse starts to speak again. And then you can go back into it. And you can dial it back in. But you can only get so far because it's a push and pull. It's an attraction, right? It's not consistent. It's immutable, sideways. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, I think that is what I'm going with here. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought in the other side. Well, actually, I, I'm because we need both. It's yeah, not it's one or the other. Especially in this case, especially with the trans, it's everything we talked about. And um, yeah, thank. You. That's good. I'm glad you said that. All right. Well, Nicholas, we have, we've come a long way. We've been on a a long journey. (laughs) Hopefully he's not melting to death uh, in Portland right now. That is an ungodly heat. We're hitting 107 Um, today and I live in an attic. Yeah. I have a system. (laughs) I have a system going on here in the room in order to do this. Uh, A Virgo, Virgonian system. I'm surprised so. you're not like dripping with sweat. Just like no, it it's worked, but we're definitely at the limit here. Like I feel we're the, at I, the limit. I can feel the heat changing slowly, and I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. But well, uh, we got yeah. we got to get you out of here so you can go to the coast, cool off. Uh, but in order to do that, people need to know where to find you. What you got going on? I'm on planet Earth. If you haven't heard of this place, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an amazing, complex planet. Anyway, it's beautiful. And um, I'm. you can also find me at sparklesofgold.com. That's my website of consultations. My YouTube channel, Sparkles of Gold, where I'm spending a lot of my time uh, and have some new things coming up. I'm on Instagram too and a couple other places. But yeah, I also, just to say this, I work behind the scenes at ESAR, which is a, a major astrological organization that's going through a change right now. So working with them behind the scenes for a big website launch that's going to happen... <laughs> 
<laughs> right off to the Mercury station. So that's going on here too. And a couple other mysterious side projects that I'm working on that people will know about. Anyway, I had to be cryptic too on this answer. You can find me sparkles of gold anywhere. Sparkles right. of gold anywhere. anywhere. All around. All around there are sparkles of gold. You see a sparkle of gold, then you know. I'm there. I'm there. You know. Oh my gosh. I love it. All right. Well, I will always share information of the guests on my webpage. Um, hopefully, I've got so much going on. I'm like, uh, hopefully I'll get there. But either way, I'm always I'm always touting Nicholas. So don't worry, you'll be able to find him. Um, and find me energeticprinciples.com. You can also find me at tarotofher.com too. Now I'm redoing the website for our uh, tarot launch here. So be on the lookout for that. And then same with the Kickstarter uh, that will be launching September 4th because we are going to have some early bird decks. So if you get in there right away, there'll be the reward of a little bit of a discount. You'll be supporting and you'll be saving. Why not? Um, So definitely check that out. And uh, same with social media. So I've been on Energetic Principles, but I've also been doing the tarot of her uh instagram account and also on tiktok i am i am learning i know i am learning the tiktok way so if you're on that tarot of her will get you there um and also also i have my uh monthly newsletter the heavenly wind that goes out at the beginning of each month so you can sign up for that i am sort of I've, consultations are open but i'm sort of taking a break because i got a lot on my plate right now so you might not be able to get in for a while if you want to do that Um, but either way, yeah, uh, I hope you support us or you find interest, or if you're just curious, visit me, send me an email. I'll tell you all about it. Um, all right. Well, what else do we got to share here before we, before Nicholas melts? Okay. Um, well, do you, did you, do you like what you hear today? Did we share some valuable information? I think we did, you know, so spread the good word, share the podcast, share it with a friend, um, whatever feels good to you, right? Or leave a review if you listen to it on Apple a podcast, or if you're watching us here on YouTube, uh, leave a comment, share what you think Virgo season will look like. Uh, if you have any comments about what we, we have talked about or any additions, you know, we're all ears and we'd love to hear it. Subscribe um, to her channel. Oh yeah, I forgot the CTA, about that. The call to action, very famous on YouTube. Please subscribe to your channel. You're getting close to a thousand subscribers, which is huge. It's, it's, it changes the YouTube game. Anybody out there, please hit the subscribe button for Mel. It'll change things from YouTube for her. When you hit the thousand mark, they open up a bunch of different services. So, Oh yeah, so subscribe. You heard him. You heard the band. Subscribe to my channel. <laughs> I've also been putting the shorts that I've been doing on TikTok and Instagram on YouTube too. So if you're a YouTube person, you'll see that content there too. Um, so yeah, subscribe, share, and like. Is that what they say? Yes. Subscribe, share, and like. Ring the bell. You, yeah, ring the, be- ring the bell below. Ring the ring bell. The bell. Um, if you've made it this far. Because if you have, congratulations. You just listened <laughs> to us for over two and a half hours. You know, <laughs> super fan, super fan. Um All right, Nicholas. Well, you know, it is always a pleasure getting to chat with you, all things astrology and just all things, all things. Uh, So I'm so glad you're able to join me. Thanks for having me, Mel. Thanks for having me on the show again. Absolutely. All right. Well, we wish you the best during Virgo season. Uh, Remember to dial it in, but also remember to let go. And uh, as always, may the stars be with you. (laughs) 